This is Fate's Wide Wheel, a Quantum Leap podcast with Sam and Dennis. Every week, we review an episode of the cult classic time travel series and decide whether it holds up to present day viewing. And hopefully, we'll entertain you along the way. Be sure to check us out on our website, fwwquantumleappod.com, and also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under Fate's Wide Wheel. And be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Hello, everybody. Hello. Here we are. We've, we've made it. We did it. Oh, I, I feel so much pressure right now, Sam. <laughs> I don't know. I can understand are, that. I don't know if we are up to the moment right now. Uh, it's going to be difficult. I think that there are a couple of factors, one being that you can't help but be emotionally involved and invested uh, for so many reasons. One, because of the episode, because it is the finale, because of how it ends. Uh, Two, because this is what this podcast has been leading to from the very beginning, you know, is getting to this final episode and here we are. Uh, so, you know, on a personal level for both of us, there's a lot packed into it. Um, and then as we were talking about off mic before we started, there's so much trivia surrounding this episode, so many little details, both on and off screen that we can't hope to, nor would we really want to cover it all because I think as exhaustive as we do tend to be, there's more to this episode than all of those little details. Sure. So, I mean, like you said, we may come back and do more later on, but this is more just one of our more regular episodes, I would say, like talking about a little bit of trivia, but also like what this episode meant to us first viewing it and now. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's interesting because the other episodes that we've talked about context with often there's, you know, some sort of socio-political, historical kind of, you know, pop cultural uh, nugget to that that connects it in, into the, the wider fabric of, of what we talk about. And this episode, while it certainly has some of those little references, for the most part, it's it's more about the show itself than it is about you know, segregation or, uh, you know, racism or, or domestic violence or women's liberation or you know, any of those other issues that we've spoken about in the past in terms of quantum leap. Um, and, and I think that, uh, that that in and of itself makes it a unique discussion about context. Um, you know, the, the closest we've really come before maybe would be the leap back. Um, but even then it wasn't, the leap back isn't, in any way similar to this episode, um, other than having some scenes at Project Quantum Leap. So uh, all that said, you know, we certainly wanted to kind of um, be a little (laughs) self-referential and and really bring it full circle, you know, tying back into Genesis. And I think the two ways that we decided to do that um, were obviously, you know, kind of pay tribute to Matt Dale's book, Beyond the Mirror Image, which we'll talk a little more about later. And then also have our very first guest back with us for a little bit, um, which will be very easy because, you know, she happens to live with me. So or I live with her. I mean, she pays, you live she pays the bills. Yes. I just, you know. <laughs> 
<laughs> but um, so so Jessica Conger is here with us today. Hi guys. Um, Hello, and uh, she's she's gonna give some of her thoughts uh, on the, the episode. Um, but yeah, anything else before we kind of dive in? Do the usual. Yeah, I want to say something. Sure. What? Now, this is a housekeeping Please note. Do. We should probably take it before we start recording. Like, you're, you're not able to stand for the entire episode, right? You're kind of going to do, like, in, out, tell your thing, and then take off. Yeah, and which is, I'll probably um, have about a half hour okay, before okay. I need to go get the little one. Okay, um, sure. So, yeah. But what did you want to say? I would say yeah. So, first of all, I wanted to say congratulations to you guys on Aww. a really epic, uh, you know, undertaking. It's really, really... I don't know. It's really cool. You guys do it. You should be proud. Thank you. And uh, I I didn't listen to all of the episodes, <laughs> but I'm sure they were great. So well done. And uh, I don't know. It's just really exciting to be back. I three years. You said. I mean, over three years. When since we, first we started in September this, 2017. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. We were just barely married. Mm-hmm. Uh. You know, there was amongst all of us, there was I think one kid, and now there are three, and yeah, so it's kind of exciting. I remember being pregnant and bouncing on uh, that yoga ball while watching the podcast or uh, talking on the podcast. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, now Hattie's here upstairs, and I'm gonna have to run up and get her, and this is really exciting. And so, thank you so much for having me back on. Congrats, yeah, sure. well, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. It's Thank uh, you for... Betsy, my wife. She's been on a few episodes. Also, like the last few days, she's been like very like congratulatory, like, "Hey, I know this is a big deal." She wanted to sit down and watch the final episode with me, even though she's watched the final episode with me before. But yeah, um, I haven't like fully wrapped my head around coming to the end of this as much I think as Betsy has because she's been making a big deal about it these last few days. Yeah. It's it's interesting to have not thought about it a whole lot. You know, the, like be aware that that we're here. Be aware that this is going to be the final episode. Uh, you know, proper that that obviously we we have plans to do some more stuff, but not you know of this nature. And you know, here we are. We've done you know around a hundred episodes because um, we did a few extra episodes. You know, aside from the, the show, some interviews here and so there, and that yeah. sort of stuff. And and and, um, and yeah, and now you know, here we are. And, uh, it's definitely, it's definitely going to sink in even more, you know, in those final few moments, I think, as, as, as we wrap the recording up, but, um, but thank you, you know, thank you, Jessica. I mean, the truth of the matter is I think both Dennis and I could say this to our significant others that, uh, this has obviously presented challenges sometimes scheduling wise that, you know, certainly in the early days, you know, when we were literally getting together for four to six hours to record, you know, two episodes back to back and, uh, all the time, um, uh, that, that, that we did devote to it. Um, it, it, uh, there's something to be said for having that, you know, that support, that encouragement and that, you know, the freedom to do uh, something like this, because, you know, it's not it's not earning us money. It's not, you know, it's not paying the bills. It's not, you know, it's just done for the love of it. And I think that having that that support to be able to go do it, um, sometimes it elevates it from two crazy guys in their basement shaking their fist at Don Belisario. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Which was an alternate name for the podcast. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we went through a lot. At the end, we threw a dart. Fate's Wide Wheel happened to be the one, luckily. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, we, yeah, we are a very modest, small 
uh, but loyal listenership. We just broke 500 followers on our Facebook page this past week. My goodness. Wow. Next, next comes what, you know, money, power, fame. I don't um, know. <laughs> all right, enough about you guys. I want to talk about the episode. All, all right, right, all right, fine. <laughs> Should we, we, we needed this more often. Yeah. <laughs> Move on. So we are here today to talk about Mirror Image. Uh, it was directed by James Whitmore Jr. We've heard his name a number of times. Uh, I'm not going to go through the resume. Written by Don Belisario. Also, I don't think I need to go through his resume. Our air date is May 5th, 1993. The leap date is August the 8th, 1953. Sam has leapt into, well, Sam uh, himself, as we'll talk about here shortly. Our location is Cokeburg, Pennsylvania. Uh, Take us away with that TV guide description. The TV guide description, one last time. Uh, TV guide. Sam leaps into himself in a mining town tavern that has a bartender who might serve up some answers about Sam's life as a leaper. All right. That's pretty pretty straightforward. You got the Uh, serve up, you know, kind of funniness there. Sure. Uh, It's yeah, that's that's a fair to Midland. That's a fair TV guide description. (laughs) I should say uh, right before we uh, right before we got on the phone call, I went back on YouTube and I watched the promo that they aired for this final episode leading up to it. And Mm. the promo promises for all your questions to be answered. Uh. (laughs) And they call it the final leap. (sighs) And it just. It just pours salt in the wound. But we're going to get into that. Um, yeah. Like we've been doing for a while. I don't think, uh, Jessica, I don't think we've been doing this since you've been on last. But we got uh, from Matt's book, we've been reading off what the show was called in other countries. Uh, oh, just labeled. Uh, in Germany, okay. it was called The Reflection. In mm-hmm. France, it was called The Big Journey. And in Italy, no. it was called Where Do You Want to Go, Sam? <laughs> hmm. I like reflection the best. Which one? Reflection. The reflection. I like that one. The reflection? Oh, yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, The Germans Germans tend to be good at it. You know, they get some good titles in there. Italy. Italy. uh, They've they've, they've even thrown in some racist ones sometimes. But anyway. Uh, (laughs) That's true. So, so Sam, I don't know about you, but I have a very clear memory of May 5th, 1993, what my day was like that day getting ready to watch the final episode. Yeah, I, you know, I don't, but I remember very specifically, you know, going to my room, as I mentioned before, against better judgment of parents everywhere, probably. I had a TV in my room, and I remember, you know, sitting down, uh, and I, I sat on the floor and watched the whole episode, just kind of sitting on the floor in front of my TV, and I remember that very specifically, um, and I remember the aftermath. But I don't, I don't remember a whole lot about um, my day. So I'd love to hear about yours. Uh, I was in the eighth grade. Um, went to school that day. After school, I had an away meet for uh, track and field because I was on track and field. Let me be very clear: I was the field part of track and field. Uh, I did shot, <laughs> I, I did shot put in disc. I was a fat kid. They didn't let me run. Um, <laughs> and that's all I could talk about away on that meet. Uh, talking to my friends, talking to, 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 to people on the, on the bus ride home. 
I was going to go home, watch the final episode of Quantum Leap. They were normal eighth graders. They didn't give a crap. Um, <laughs> and I got home, I think, like an hour before the final episode came on, I think, maybe like an hour and a half before. And I was just really excited, and, and I said this in the last episode, is that it was bittersweet. Like, I was sad that the show was ending, but I was really excited because I knew the final episode meant Sam was going to go home. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that was my day. School, away track meet, just wanting to make sure to get home in time, um, watching the final episode in my room. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I... I remember, you know, having some expectations, um, but really just more questions. You know, will he go home? Will he die? Um, will, you know, what will happen? Um, you know, where is he? My, I think my biggest questions were, were centered around the leap out from Memphis Melody. Um, and, you know, he sees his own reflection. It's like, oh, my gosh, what does this, you know, what does that mean? How is that possible? You know, where is he? When is he? Um, you know, and, and, and something we could talk about later, too, is the, you know, the metaphysical possibilities of, you know, is he literally in Cokeburg, Pennsylvania? Is this a real bar? Is this, you know, and, and, and I, I think that I had a lot of, of sort of those big questions um, because it because that leap out. You know, really, as we said last time around, is is probably the the greatest leap out in in the show. Um, I think it even it even probably beats the um, you know MIA into leap home. Um, well, even that's not I, a, that wasn't a leap out, but well, right, right, right. right, right as far right. as like a cliffhanger goes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think. That at the time, you know, watching the episode, um, I mean, I was glued to the TV. uh, And I just remember that last moment, you know, so vividly because it, I I mean, I think, you know, even as an 11 year old, just shy of my 12th birthday, uh, I remember very specifically being, you know, in tears pretty much from the moment Sam said, you know, I want to go home through to that last title card. Um, you know, Dr. Sam Beckett never returned home. And I, I, I wept, you know, and I remember running out into the living room and I was so upset and telling, you know, my mom that, you know, he never got to go home. And I just remember, you know, being, being kind of a wreck. Um, and I, the episode, I think more than just about any other episode of the series, uh, except those, of course, with, you know, lots of repeat viewings, you know, stuck with me, um, because it's not an episode that I watched, I think probably more than two or three times. Wow. Compared to a lot of other episodes in the series that I've seen, you know, five, six, seven, in some cases, probably a dozen. Sure. Yeah. I feel like this is one, yeah, I went back and I rewatched several times. It's one of those like I, I like I kind of like almost know the dialogue backwards and forwards in mm-hmm. the episode. Um, I did not have an emotional reaction to to the final 
episode, those final moments that you mentioned, like you know, when he's talking to the bartender, I want to go home. And I'll go to more of that later when we get to those moments in the episode as to why. Um, um, but yeah, um, that final scene really started hitting me, I think, like when I was like a little bit older, like late teens, I think, um, rewatching the episode. But yeah, um, a lot of my feelings after the episode was over with was just uh, anger that <laughs> uh, that Sam did not get to go home. Um, and I think I've said this in, in, in previous episodes. The fact that Sam narrates the episode throughout the show, like he narrates the episodes like throughout the series. I always took that as a device of like, oh, Sam is telling us the story of Leaping after he has made it back home. So I always thought it was a foregone conclusion that he was going to leap back home. So a lot of my initial feelings afterwards was just uh, shock that the rug had been pulled out from under my feet. I So I didn't watch this as a kid. Um, and I haven't watched probably two or three seasons of it. Yeah. I missed a lot. So I also had in, you know, looking at your guys' Facebook occasionally and stuff, I, I had seen someone comment something that led me to believe that he wasn't going home. So I kind of was expecting that, um, but I wasn't expecting it to end the way it did. Um, I, I was like, I was very emotionally taken with the episode up until the last, like, few minutes. Um where I felt kind of let down in the end. Uh, but I, I was really excited to watch it, and it had me, like, the, the whole premise of it, and, and it, I was really taken with it. And then, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't angry. I was confused and, um, yeah, kind of disappointed, let down by kind of all the stuff that I had maybe created in my head could be happening, could be going on, and then I felt like they did, it felt a little like the ending of Lost. Or like maybe looking back on it and and you know analyzing it, maybe I'll find more um, appreciation for it. But at the time, it's like, wait, what? What just happened? What's going on? I don't get it. That wasn't the like the feeling I was expecting. Sure. Can you uh, say more like when the episode started to lose you? Yes. Okay. I can go right <laughs> in because I know I don't have a ton of time. So I. I thought the whole premise of him seeing himself, I loved the bartender. I thought the bartender was so interesting, well acted. It was so intriguing that I couldn't decide, does he Does he know what's going on? Is he in on it? Or is he just somebody that, like, it's so well played out that, like, you can't tell. Like, is, he, is it just a coincidence that he's kind of behaving that way? He's just a cool, calm guy that, like, is willing to take whatever crazy stuff Sam's saying and just kind of run with it. And then slowly that kind of fell, fell away, and, um, and so then by the end, I just wasn't, his final conversation with him, I don't know where it was, I still don't know what happened exactly, like, was he supposed to be God, was he supposed to be a figment of his imagination, I still, I'm interested to discuss that with you guys, so then when that was, like, sort of happening, I was, like, I, I was, it was just less interesting than what I was hoping it might be, and then... When it ended up being him leaping then into to to get his wife, um, Al's wife for him, and I don't know I, when. So then Sam told me later on that this wasn't supposed to be the final episode, 
And that made me actually feel a lot better about what happened because I always feel sad for episodes and shows and TVs when they don't get the chance to like do the, the ending that they wanted. And it feels like this episode was definitely a victim of that. I think this could have been a really cool episode and it sounded like they had a lot of really cool stuff planned for the next season that I think this would have been a nice transition into it, but it didn't work for me as the end. So that's kind of where I was at. Yeah. Well, we talked about it immediately afterwards. And I think that, you know, the, it, it's, it, I, I suppose because I had such a strong emotional reaction to it upon first viewing and because I've always been in the camp of, you know, yeah, I wanted him to go home. Of course I wanted him to go home but I've always been in the camp that it was still the right ending as, as crushed as I was, as sad as I was. Um, and maybe, maybe I'm well in the minority there. Maybe a lot of people watched it and didn't shed a tear at all. I, you know, I don't know. I know that there are some people that have written online about it being a tearjerker and whatnot, but it, 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 it genuinely, it feels to me like there was so much right about it. Now, yes, given hindsight, given the fact that you know, and I think that we've mentioned this before, but just to kind of clear the air, that we knew within a matter of two or three years what the original ending was supposed to be. Like, I know we've talked before about discovered ending, blah, 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 all this sort of stuff. Okay, it was discovered so much as the footage and it was put together, blah, blah, blah. But we knew what the ending was supposed to be because there were stills and the script was released online as early as like 1995, 1996. I remember seeing it. I remember the picture, the photograph, specifically because the photograph... The, the 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 whole purpose of that was is that when the leap effect happens on Al's photograph, it was supposed to go to the photograph of Al with his you know family with Beth and the four daughters, and then that was supposed to you know transition to the scene, and that was all online on message boards like back in ninety five ninety six. Sure. So like, but but we, but Belisario had dismissed a lot of that as fan creation, like the like the leaping into the photo that was a definite thing. But ever like the 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 script, he had all but dismissed as a fan creation. But yeah, sure. Yeah. But but I mean, now we know it to be true. Now we've seen the actual footage, and so I think that it's just it like that. Even knowing like early on what could have been, um, I I think was was fine. But it, it's one of those odd instances where we've talked a lot about in previous episodes about how frustrating it is to see what could have been or what the possibilities were. And they decided to go another direction. But this is one of those cases where for me, it just adds more texture. It's not a case of me watching this episode and feeling frustrated. It's me watching this episode, appreciating it and loving it and enjoying it for what it is. And then also having that little bit of man, you know, if they would have known for sure, this was the last episode, do I think they would have done some things differently? I absolutely do. But at the same time, I'm almost glad they didn't because I worry that they would have maybe changed some of the best bits. So it, it, to me, it's just kind of like one of those situations where when you see the whole picture, and, and especially now from that, you know, 2020 vision, which we do have the actual footage, we do have the actual scene, you know, with sound and everything, like, it is really gratifying to see that. But 
you know, I mean, no matter what Belisario said, Stockwell was talking about it at conventions back in the 90s, too. Like, Stockwell basically, like, told fans, like, scene for scene. It's even in Matt's book. Like, you know, he he was like, this is what the original ending was going to be. This is what I was going to do. Like, and this is back from, like, 96 or 97, I think. So it's like, you know, again, Belisario could say whatever he wanted. Like, when the actors are out there talking about it, it's kind of like, oh, okay. But anyway, I, I think that, for me, the 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 episode as a whole, it, it it doesn't end up being a frustrating case of what could have been as much as it is, you know, here's what we have and here's all the texture that kind of surrounds it. And that ultimately for me, the, the ending, you know, the, the, the button on it all is, it is the right one for me. You know, it, 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 it does feel like there is a bit of tragedy there. Yes. But I think that that's also the heroic journey for, for Sam, you know, was, was that he was never, you know, it was never about him getting back home. It was about how much good can I do before it's over. I wish there would have been more in the episode. Cause I, I agree with you in terms of, I don't have a problem with the fact that he didn't go home and that he decided to recommit himself to, you know, doing good in the world. That's why I thought it was cool at first that like there were these people that he had seen in previous leaps kind of showing up, in this bar, um, and that we're kind of maybe reinstilling with him, like, the, the, um, what's the word I'm looking for, sort of the, the purpose of what he's been doing, and sort of reinvigorating him, that, like, I really did make a difference, and I feel like they were maybe kind of trying to do that, but then there was the weird thing with the guy, the, the uncle, who also leapt, but he was oh, dead, yeah. and so, the, and then it's like, was this place real, it, they don't really ever see Say, and, and I wish it would have been a little more clear maybe that it was like you know a purgatory or something like that where it wasn't like a it was it was maybe all in his head and that it was a part of his like mental maybe he's been exhausted by this journey and he needed a break like he needed that sabbatical to take a little break and sort of reinvigorate himself and then get back to work and I don't know I felt like that's what they were maybe trying to sort of do and maybe having only seen it once and having lots of thoughts in my head at the time that I definitely missed some of the dialogue, that maybe I missed some of what they were trying to present. But it felt like, I don't know, it felt like it was building up to be this really cool sort of, I don't know, emotional thing, and then it sort of took a turn at the end, and I don't know. I I, I really want to know, what do you guys think that the bartender was God, or was he the one leaping him around, or what was that guy? I thought he was Al for a long time. What I found... Interesting what you just said there was when the bartender mentions the sabbatical, you kind of took that mm-hmm. to mean like his leap into the bar was the sabbatical mm-hmm. before he embarked on. I don't know like how, Sam, you've taken it. I've always taken it, the bartender meaning like, no, like the last four years of Sam leaping had been his sabbatical. Mm-hmm. Like that was getting him ready for what his real mission was going to be going forward. Hmm. No, I, I definitely took it like Jessica. And I think part of the reason why is I think Stoppa's one of the reasons for his character is to is, is to kind of prove that in a way. And, and it's also interesting because it reinforces the fact that like Sam's not alone. And I think that that's the other thing that makes it very difficult uh, because it's, it's something that I didn't notice as a kid and something I didn't think about as a kid. But now, you know, thinking about the episode upon this rewatch, the idea is that like there are there are other leapers out there. 
Um, you know, Sam's not the only one. Like, we know Aaliyah, yes, fine, you know, evil Libra Project or whatever. Mm-hmm. But now we know that there are other people out there doing what Sam has been doing. Um, or Angelita you, from uh, It's a Wonderful Leap. You could argue right, her, right, too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, you're right, Jess. It's not, we don't necessarily have, like, it's not set in stone. It's not cold, hard evidence. Because but my I think two that. quibbles with it, sorry to interrupt, but was that he was dead. And so what does that mean? Is he coming back from the, was he leaping before he, I don't know. His deadness definitely means something different, I think, than what Sam's doing. And were these real people in a real city that just happened to look like or have the same names or well, they didn't have the same name, but you know, are they, is it just a coincidence that this is all happening and these are real people that he's interacting with a real true leap? Or is this something that's just in his imagination using real people that he could, cause you never know. Maybe he heard Al's uncle's name mentioned once and he heard about, you know, so the little bits of his, you know, psyche so, uh, yeah. have been peppered in and maybe he needed to see that like, you know, from the outside, what it's like to see someone come in and leap and save someone and how he always leaves. He doesn't get to see really what ha- the effect of it. You know, he gets to kind of see the start of the celebration or whatever. So, you know, he gets to hear Ziggy talking about, or Al explains why, you know, how he helped, but he could, could really see the celebration and what happened and what it was like when someone came in to save something and left out. So do you think, do you think then that, um, rather than there being other leapers, mm-hmm. you know, like Sam, that Sam in essence is there to kind of like, you know, that, that the, the right that he's setting wrong in this episode is like freeing Stapa from his guilt in the afterlife and that he has walked into some sort of weird, you know, in between place. Kind of. Yeah. I've definitely I definitely see this as not a real place. It's an in-between, sort of in his mind, or, you know, a place that other souls can... I don't think it's in his mind. I don't think it's... No, I do not think it's in his mind at all. I think it could be some sort of, you know, weird metaphysical, like, Mm in-between, like like Mm -hmm. we're talking about. Yeah, but I don't don't think it's in his mind. I guess if I think in his mind, I almost think about it like um, in Harry Potter when he... These are huge spoilers. But when he is at <laughs> platform nine and three quarters with Dumbledore to mm-hmm. be vague, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's kind of in his mind, but also not. It's like kind of a real place. But, you know, I guess in the, in you might you might not make that argument, but I imagine it to be something like this. Like that this is a place, like a sort of spiritual, whatever level of spirituality you wanna think. It's not necessarily a physical place. These weren't real people that lived real lives. It was sort of this convergence of them, maybe some sort of purgatory, some sort of in between, some sort of, you know, medium place or something like where they're, uh, you know, everybody maybe that comes there sees different people and can populate it in a different way. And maybe that bartender guy is sort of a, a staple. That's what I kind of felt like. And I would have liked that more if we still didn't necessarily know, um, if he was in on it or not, I feel like it kind of broke the. Would you okay, say for... that this is kind of uh, a place that what the the sideways universe was in the final season of Lost? Yeah, I think so because I can't really remember. But I yeah, think that feels kind of great like parallel. Actually, I really, really do because I, I, I think that Al, bartender Al. You know, okay. I, I let's let's get a couple of things kind of out of the way, uh, as I think it'll help open the discussion up. I, I I think that Don Belisario does some really interesting things here, and I think that they are 
great benefits to the episode, but also slight hindrances. I think by being as emotionally invested as he was with the setting, because he based it around the town that, you know, he grew up in, his father's bar in Cokesburg, Pennsylvania, like all of this, he's so emotionally invested. The pictures on the wall are literally of his father. Um, so it's clear that there's a lot of investment that he has in creating this world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that pays off. I also think that story-wise, it doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Like, why Cokesburg, Pennsylvania? Why not Elk Ridge, Indiana? Why not Stallions Gate, New Mexico? Why not, you know, why not nowhere? And by instead, by giving it a literal location and giving these people kind of these really textured lives, in some ways, it, it kind of gets in the way a little bit. So it's like he writes this love letter to his dad, which is really lovely and beautiful and, and, and easy to invest in. But it kind of gets in the way of some of the sort of like, you know, mythology, if you will, of the episode and, and how it relates to Quantum Leap. Um, so with that said, I, I think for me, the, having the character of Al be a bartender is the perfect setup because he he, you know, that he does kind of what the bartender does. He listens to Sam's problems. You know, he doesn't really offer any advice until you know, that, that final moment when it's just sort of like, look, here you go. And so I just think that that, that that works really well, uh, you know, in that metaphorical way. Um, I don't think that Al is God, you know, I think Al is telling the truth when he's just, you know, he kind of laughs at Sam. He's like, you think I'm God. (laughs) Um, but I do think that there's something about him that he represents kind of this. I, for instance, let's just say that Al is some sort of recruiter. Okay. But he can't go out and actually find his heroes. Like, he can't go out and be like, hey, you want to be a hero? Come with me. It takes someone making the sacrifice, getting into the accelerator, for instance, and leaving everything behind on this, you know, quixotic journey that that may or may not work, and then changing all these things for the better, and then identifying that person and be like, you're a hero, Sam, and I need you, and you need to understand that you're in control of this. And that, and that it's not me doing this. It's not me saying you're a hero. It's you having made that sacrifice. It's you making that decision. And so I think that that's, I don't know, that's, to me, that is really beautiful. And it works really, really well in the context of the show. Um, even if there are times when you're just sort of like, but, 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 but why did it take him five years to figure that out? You know? <laughs> sure. Um you know, from my perspective, yeah, I, I'm kind of with Jessica. Like, I don't think, like, this is all in his mind. I do think it's, it's some kind of, like, in-between place. Just because Al is able to find him. Like, there, there is eventually, there is a connection between Sam and Al the hologram mm-hmm. at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he is somewhere, he's existing somewhere outside of time right here. Um, right. Now, as far as what Al is himself, I don't think he's God. But he is some sort of some sort of a higher power. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think I have ever taken this episode literally. Like he is like mm-hmm. literally in the town of Cokesburg. And Sam, I agree right, with right. what you say. It's uh, it's it, like I said, it's it's a nice little love letter for Don Belisario to give to his dad and to his hometown. It does not make really any sense within the context of the overall mythology. Yeah. Unless, you know, unless you, you, I guess I suppose the, if you wanted to look at it from a different perspective, you could say that, you know, this is like this nondescript coal mining town. Um, you know, there existed this place 
that was just slightly, you know, in between, like we're saying, and that once you walk through the doors of that bar, things just changed a little bit. You know, Gushy's a great example. Throughout the entire episode, we see Gushy as this old man with this long white beard with halitosis who happens to share a name with one of Sam's colleagues back in, you know, the mid-90s New Mexico. And then towards the end of the episode, Sam looks up and looks into the mirror, and we see, you know, kind of a middle-aged portly gent who's, you know, doing his shot. And it's like, what does that mean? You know, what is what's happening here? Who's the real person who, you know, what's this all about? Is is that mean the old bearded man is a, is a, is a fellow leaper? Or does that mean that, you know, this bar, you kind of get to see things as you want to see them in the mirror? Maybe what Sam wants to see is himself, you know? I, I don't know. It, it, there's I think that there's a lot of questions that are raised that we don't have definitive answers for. Um, and in some ways, that's what makes the finale so engaging because you get to fill in a lot of the blanks yourself. Sure. And I feel like, mm-hmm. and this seems like such a small, petty thing, but it it, 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 it kind of nails it for me. I could accept that all of this, like, oh, it's kind of like this ambiguous metaphysical thing and, you know, it's kind of up to you to figure out. It's the fact that on the final title card, they misspell <laughs> Sam's name. And it's just what? like, yes, Sam <laughs> Beckett is supposed to be spelled with two T's and oh they only God. spelled it with one. And to me, like, that, that is such a tell of the ending was thrown on so haphazardly Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that was just a detail that was missed. To me, that that is just like a, a signal that all of this was just kind of sloppy, and there was no higher meaning to it. And any higher yeah. meaning mm-hmm. that we're all reading into it, yes, it is just us like wanting to fill in the blanks of the story. That's how I felt about the like watching the episode. I was so invested and so excited. It felt like there was all this meaning, and then in those last moments, I was like, oh, there's. This isn't, there is nothing, <laughs> and it's done. And so I, I, I think I, I felt more hope when I realized this wasn't what it was intended to be. This could have been a really cool episode. It almost needed to be two separate ideas, I think. And it could have been really cool. And, and then I would have liked to have seen another season. And then yeah. I still, I don't have a problem again with Sam not going home. I think that that's, I think that they did kind of, lend itself to that in the terms of like you know he's making the decision to keep changing lives i wish they would have um you know punched that up a little bit more his like feeling like this is pointless like what's the point of me doing this i I just want to go home and then him realizing like no this is i need to be doing this i need to be affecting this change in the world and um and then because you were saying it sounded like maybe they would he would go into the future and i just think Mm -hmm. that he could have then realized like wow i really can make some really great changes i can really do a lot of good um and i think that would have been cool to see yeah i feel like this just popped into my head um at the end of the pilot episode after he gets off the phone with his dad um sam has this very uh profound moment where he's like i can do a lot of good in the world Mm -hmm. and i felt like the decision to not have Sam leap home would have been would have been more powerful, like you just said, Jessica. Had there been a similar moment at the end of this episode, where mm-hmm. Sam, in a very uh, visible way, rededicates himself to continuing mm-hmm. to do mm-hmm. this, yes, yeah. then I could have handled it. See, I, I feel like you know the thing is, is I would argue though that he does have that moment, and it, it gets it, it, it it's too brief. Mm-hmm. I will admit. But he does have that moment before he says he's got to go fix things for Al. You know, he, he like, 
the, one of the reasons why the moment on the, the bench outside the bar is so powerful with bartender Al is that, you know, when Sam says that he wants to go home, like it's just, it's, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, it's perfect. It's, it's perfectly played by Bacula and it's, it's, it's just, a, it's a perfect moment. And, and, and then it, you know, immediately follows it up with, you know, the fact that he, he kind of accepts that he's going to keep leaping and knowing that he's the one that's in charge and that, it, you know, and accepting that the leaps are going to get harder. And Al is just like, Oh yeah. You know, it's like, this is, you know, this is setting him up for, for what's next. And the fact that he, basically is like, okay, I'm going to do this, but there's one other thing I've got to take care of first. And to me, it's, again, I think that it it's too subtle for a series finale, mm-hmm. but it was perfect for what would have been a season finale. But because it's what we've got, I think, I don't know, there's, for me, there is just a kind of, I accept it. It's like, yep. Okay. You know, it's like, it's, it's like, he's, he's going to go do this. Mm-hmm. I, I do want to say, cause I know Jess that you got to get going soon, but I do want, I, one thing that I want to say just so all three of us can talk about real quick is that I think as an episode, if you take away all this stuff that we've been talking about for the past like half hour as an episode, it's really well done. Everything is so perfect. Like it's just a really quality episode of quantum leap. And if you, and if you cut off the, the, you know, the last 90 seconds or whatever, mm-hmm. w- w- you know, you take out the Al and Beth stuff and you take out those title cards and it just kind of ends with like what you're saying, Dennis, with a moment of Sam being like, okay, I'm ready. And he just leaps instead of going to fix things for Al necessarily. Like what we got as an episode, sure. It wouldn't have answered all the questions, but it, it would have been just a fine piece of Quantum Leap. And, I mean, arguably the best episode of the series probably since somewhere in season four. I would agree with that. Um, rewatching the episode, watching it in, uh, you know, the higher definition that's put out on, on, on Blu-ray and on streaming, uh, I really appreciate the details thrown into the bar. Yeah. Uh, the camera work sweeping around the bar in the couple of the scenes. Um they don't do a, a a flashback for every single person, but Jessica, you probably wouldn't know this. There are a lot of actors uh, who have one or two lines throughout the final mm-hmm. episode. They were in previous episodes. They just okay. don't have Sam having a flashback of mm-hmm. that person. Right. Um, like the kids, the, the, the kids. two boys outside the bar, uh, which are the, the kids, kids from A Tale of Two Sweeties. Uh, uh, Mutta, who was, uh, I can't remember his character's name, but he was the, the bad guy in Southern Comforts. Um, mm-hmm. Don Belisario, you see him pop up, the, the creator of the series, you see him pop up a mm-hmm. couple of times like he is a minor in the bar. And I didn't think mm-hmm. about this until I was reading trivia. I think it was in Matt's book. I was like, well, that's either Don Belisario or that's the guy that Sam leaped into in A Portrait for Troyan because Belisario mm-hmm. did play the mirror image in that right. episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so James Whitmore Jr. is also in it. Yeah, so, uh, so I appreciate that. In my head, even though, like looking up on IMDb, there were a lot of actors in this episode who were never in a previous episode. To me, every single person in that bar is someone that Sam encountered on mm-hmm. a previous leap. Mm-hmm. Agree. With the exception Which I think of, is really cool. Yeah, with the exception of Gushy um, mm-hmm. and Al the bartender, which is a weird choice because he actually, Al the bartender, that actor was in the pilot episode. Yeah. Oh, really? He yeah. Was, he was one of Sam's superiors in, in the Air Force portion of the pilot. Huh. Yeah, he was weird, Ernie. I thought he was great. I he was probably the most compelling part of the episode to me. I really liked him a lot. I was um, 
Yeah, I, I think I agree with you that I thought it was a really cool episode, you know, up until the end. I, I don't I don't feel like it finished off well. I thought it was a really cool idea. I thought, you know, yeah, the idea of all these people that he's seen in the past and, and his sort of internal conflict and, and, you know, trying to figure out what's happening and seeing himself and, um, you know, the whole thing the bartender said about, like, um, you know, daylight savings time and, like, time's a little weird here or whatever he said. <laughs> like, what a cool little thing. And just so many little... I don't really call them Easter eggs, but kind of. Um, yeah, I wish I wish it had um, had met the expectations that I had while watching it because I remember feeling like very drawn to the episode and and very excited about it and then just deflated at the end. But yeah, um, yeah, it's so tough. I mean, there are very few series finales that have ever stuck the landing, even when they know for a fact it is the series finale, Mm -hmm. but especially when you're not sure, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're not sure if it's going to be the series finale or not, like, I think it was very difficult for them. And I, you know, I will always be a defender of this episode, but I, but I understand where you're both coming from. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, um, yeah, I don't know. Do you have anything, anything else that you want to add, Jess? Uh, I'm trying to think about what we talked about yesterday. You kind of hit on I all of it, so. I think. so, yeah. yeah. I mean, my, my takeaway was it was a great, yeah, a great episode, uh, not a great ending, but, uh, very, yeah, it's interesting for it to come to a close, and I would, I would be interested in seeing more of what he's out there doing. I mean, it definitely leaves it open for there to be more. Um, See now, now here's I'd the. Like... Oh, go ahead. Finish your thought. No, 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 go, go, go. no. My my just... thing about that is, is that there are so many fans out there who say like they want to see some kind of re- like they want to see some pickup and they want to see Scott Bakula come back and play the role. And I mm-hmm. am firmly in the camp of no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to see Sam Beckett twenty five years later still leaping in time. To me, yeah. that is just sad. Now, if we want to pick up, See, if we want to pick up and find, I would love to like if 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 Sam was able to find some way to settle into a life somewhere uh, mm-hmm. and to steal a line from Star Trek: First Contact uh, and just stay out of history's way and live out <laughs> of his life in a peaceful setting somewhere. I would yes. like to see that. I don't want to I see would- Sam still quantum leaping through time. I would think that another interesting way of doing it would be if you, you know, if you wanted to do a continuation and if you wanted to have, you know, uh, a, a, you know, a, a, you know, late forties, early fifties, something Sammy Joe, or if you wanted to have her daughter or her son or, or whatever be the leaper, you could do that. If you, you, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're a producer, you know, or one of Al's kids, sure. If you want to, you know, if you wanted to keep your, your lead younger than that, which is ridiculous, but whatever, uh, what I would love is to have them, you know, finally figure out, like, let's say that the, you know, the project got shut down for whatever reason, you know, and, and at this time, you know, Al's passed away and, you know, and everybody just kind of has forgotten about this, except for the stories that, you know, Sammy Joe occasionally, you know, told her kids growing up or something like that. And one of the kids figures out a way to hook everything back up, gets into the accelerator and they land on their birthday in that bar. And when they walk in, the guy behind the bar is Sam. Mm. Oh, and yeah. that mm-hmm. and that would be interesting to me. And that would be, you know, and it would be Sam's way of passing the torch of being able to say, like, 
you know, you, I know why you got in, you know, well, tell me why. Well, you got to figure it out for yourself. Mm-hmm. And then the great thing is, is they could use it as a way station so that you could still have Bacula on the show every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, and the Leaper would kind of come back to the bar every once in a while as they're like on their journey. And, and instead of having like a hologram character like Al or something, you know, you kind of have Sam kind of fill that role a little bit too. And I just think that that would be kind of interesting and, 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 and could be uh, a way to keep him involved without having to, like you're saying, Dennis, have a 60 some year old, you know, leaper, but Hey, we're going to have like an 80 year old Indiana Jones. So, I mean, we might as well just. <laughs> sure. And I could totally see, uh, Scott Bakula in that setting. I haven't watched very many episodes, but I, I think his side gig, I think he owns a bar. His character owns in a bar NCIS, in CIS New Orleans. New Orleans. Yeah. Uh, I think you're right. So yeah, I could totally see that. They could just reuse that bar. That way he could do two shows at the same time. <laughs> and just, you know, just, yeah, just right. bounce on over. Uh, you know, you saying that Dennis earlier about like seeing him maybe find a life that he could sort of stay in and settle down in, whether it's him actually or it reminded me of I think it's a Doctor Who episode where don't mm. some of them like leap back in time and then end up getting stuck there and they just live out their lives back in time basically and end up then in the present they're now dead. There's a couple of well, yeah, I mean that that, that happened in Doctor Who. There's actually a couple of episodes of Star Trek. There's a great episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine where that happens okay. too. Um, so I, that's what I, I kind of thought was going to happen. This like this this was he was going to be here now and just have to start a new life in this time period. Yeah, and I don't have a problem with that idea either. I do think that that's kind of lovely as well. I mean, I think that you know if it, if, if 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 yeah, you know, Sam is. But I, I do think it does create some kind of issues every once in a while because you just think to yourself, well, if he stops in like 1985, you know, then. 10 years later, what's to stop him from like going and, and being like, don't get in that accelerator or whatever. You never know what's going to happen. Now, if he stops somewhere in the future, like let's say he, you know, he leaps forward a hundred years and he's just like, Hey, this is pretty cool. I like this place. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's time to stop, but I don't know. There's something about the idea of him stopping in that way of just retiring from leaping that doesn't feel right to me because why wouldn't he go home? Why wouldn't he go back to Donna? Would he be? You know? Because how does I mean they did indicate with its gray hair and stuff that he was aging. Yeah. But like, what is life? What is his life when he's not leaping? Is it causing some sort of strange thing to happen with him in terms of aging? If he were to go back, would he be able to just pick up where he was and and like what would happen? And and then I wonder like so I like the bartender idea of him like he's left so much now his timeline is all messed up and his you know internal. You know, DNA is all messed up, so now all he can do is be, you know, part of this, you know, spiritual or scientific sort of place where he has to stay, you know, and help the next leapers along. Right. I, I Yeah, I mean, I would imagine that we know he can age and we know he can die. You know, those are things that have been mm-hmm. established in the show before. Um yeah, and then throw we out, also know, and, and to throw out another thing, and, and we kind of touched on this earlier with with uh, Stapa. Um, so Jessica, there were a series of, of twenty novels, which eventually we'll get to cover those later on in the mm-hmm. podcast. Uh, but the the last novel in the range, and they knew that this was going to be the last published novel when they published it. Um, mm-hmm. It sets it up uh, so that Sam does die going into mm-hmm. the final episode. You don't know it's set up, but. Um, he gets shot, he gets killed, and mm-hmm. the two-page epilogue to the novel is the opening moments of this episode. Hmm. Um, it doesn't work fully, um, right. for one, yeah. because in the novel, Al sees Sam 
shot and killed and he knows what's happened. So that doesn't jive with the way Al behaves in this episode. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, there, there, a fan theory out there is that Sam actually did die when he stepped into the accelerator and it's been his ghost that has been leaping yeah. all this time. Mm-hmm. I kind of wondered if it was going to be something like that. The, um, what was I going to say? Leaping, dying, back in time. Oh, were there any episodes that he didn't succeed or where he seriously came close to not succeeding? Because it seems like after a while it'd be like, what is the stakes really? He just, he knows he's going to win. So it would have been interesting to maybe see him not win once or twice. I mean, I would certainly argue black and white on fire, you know, feels like an episode where he doesn't win. Whether or not he succeeds at what he's there to do, you could argue, but he certainly doesn't win that leap in my opinion. Um, that's another thing I think it's out there for fan contention because in some episodes they imply that if Sam fails his mission he will be stuck living in that life forever Um, but then later on in the series um, Sam very pointedly says to Al that success has nothing to do with leaping Um, so like yeah black on white on fire um, there's another episode out there I can't remember which one it is off the top of my head where, where people kind of Thing like he didn't actually do what he was there to do, um, but then another fan theory is is that somewhere out there, in a leap that's not shown in between the television leaps, that there was a leap where Sam failed, um, mm-hmm. and that's how they know that Sam can leap without success. Yeah, you know it's also worth noting too, just to go back to the aging thing, that uh, one of the things that gets established early in the show and then kind of gets forgotten but never contradicted is the fact that when Sam leaps, it's not instantaneous. That there are times when he might spend a couple of weeks in you know leaping from point A to point B, um, which I think is something that's also you know kind of interesting to to think about in terms of where he might land or or, or whatnot, but. I, you know, it's, 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 there's so many what ifs that do kind of get left after this episode. And certainly, you know, it's it, it, the, the potential that Sam has died, you know, and that's one of the determining factors of his leaping in general, uh, or, or, or in this episode specifically, I, I don't think is something that you can say, well, no, that's absolutely not true. But it's also to me, it's not necessarily as interesting you know, and I think that you could use the fact that there is a body in the waiting room um, as kind of evidence that he's probably not dead. And the fact that in this episode, the body leaps, you know, that Sam gets his body back, mm-hmm. um, you know, feels to me like it's not it's not the case, even though we also have been told that it's physically him leaping, not some sort of spiritual thing. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, when you really start to go down the rabbit hole, there's a lot of things obviously that don't necessarily work. And there's a lot of things you could try to explain in a book or a comic book or, or a new series if you wanted to. But I think there's more worth in, in, you know, kind of talking about, uh, the characters. And that's one of the things that makes this episode so great. You know, it's a wonderful character piece for Sam. It's a wonderful character piece for the other actors that inhabit the scene with him. It's worth mentioning John Diacchino, you know, comes back and knocks it out of the park in the couple of scenes that he has. You know, just 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 adds, you know, something really wonderful to this episode. Uh, Richard Hurd, um, you know, who we saw as Mostein in, in Future Boys, wonderful uh, as Ziggy. Um, William Morgan Shepard, who plays Gushy. Stephen McCaddy as Stoppa. I mean, it's just great. you got Mike... Genevieve, so you got, you know, coming back from Double Identity uh, as Mr. Collins. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of really, really great 
stuff in the episode. And of course, we get to see Dennis Wolfberg one more time as Gushy, which is really, really nice, too. Yes. Um, I think we've mentioned before, had there been a sixth season, um, they were planning to have Gushy be in a lot more episodes uh, coming up yeah. in the sixth season. Now, Dennis Wolfberg was also going through cancer at the time, and he, he passed away a couple years later, so who knows that would have happened. Um, but I don't know if we talked about this on an episode that you were on before, Jessica, but Dennis Wolfberg, the actor who played Gushy, was a incredibly funny stand-up comic. That was his main gig. Um, and he was going to get, like, to contribute and write some of his own dialogue as Gushy in the next season. And if he would have been able to bring his humor to it, I would have loved to have seen that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Jessica. Yes, I've overstayed, and I'm sure a baby is ready for me to come get her, so. Well, thank you so much. Well, wonderful thank talking to you. Thank you guys for letting you. me... Join, yeah. yeah. It was exciting to Come see the full last circle. episode and to chat with you guys and uh, enjoy talking about the rest of it. And I'll see you guys later. Yeah, well, we'll have you back. We're going to do more at some point. Okay, cool. In the new year. <laughs> I'll see you in like, I'll see you in, you know, as soon as we're done. Yeah, and, yeah. Too, it's too much. Too, <laughs> too often in this tiny condo in quarantine. Uh, but I love you. Well, thank so, you. I love you, too. It's good to see you guys. So I think you're okay. I'll... S- oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there, Dennis. We'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. <laughs> There's time. Yeah. The, next, the next adventure you guys do, maybe. Right. We'll bridge that gap. Sure. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> really appreciate you, you know, coming along. So if you are listening to this episode, to you, this is a seamless transition from uh, chatting with Jessica to now. But for... Sam and I, it's been a week. How you doing, Sam? That's right. I'm good. Uh, you know, we uh, made the decision, and, and you know, you were the one that, that called it out, and I'm so grateful for that, uh, to take a break because there was a lot going on in our respective households yes. while we were recording. And, you know, babies were crying and up, and we weren't as focused as we could be. And I think you correctly you know, made the call that this episode deserves it, that we deserve it, that the listeners deserve it. So to have the opportunity to you know, press pause and then pick it up uh, a week later, I think was, was a great idea. And you know, in the interest of full disclosure, uh, I haven't done a whole lot of editing work on the original um, recording that we did. Um, you obviously haven't had a, a chance to, to listen back to that. Um, so there could be a little bit of repetition, but we're going to basically endeavor to not say a whole lot of, well, earlier when we said, or last week when we talked about, we just want to be able to talk about this episode and give it its due. And in, in doing so, um, you know, we might risk a, a little bit of repetition here, but I think it's worth it considering the episode that we're talking about and the nature of this recording uh, and our desire to have, you know, to have Jessica on since she had been with us for Genesis. And uh, I felt like we had a good discussion. We had a really good discussion and it was worth keeping that even if we kind of had to switch gears for for the rest of our normal, you know, uh, uh, broadcast. <laughs> for sure. So definitely. So what we're planning to do, listeners, is, is kind of kind of do a breakdown scene by scene and not really get too much uh, into the depth and meaning of the episode because I feel like we, we covered a lot of that ground with Jessica. So more like 
breaking down the actors' performances, talking about the actors' uh, you know uh, previous careers as we usually do, and also just throwing out like little trivia, little tidbits that we see uh, that we see along the way. Um, there's also uh, in the last couple of years, there's been a lot of huge developments as far as uh, the uh, alternate ending being found. We're going to touch a little bit on that, but we're not going to dig too deeply into that. Um, uh, a lot of that we feel belongs to uh, Allison Pregler. I hope I'm pronouncing her last name correctly. Uh, YouTuber, huge Quantum Leap fan, and also currently uh, one of the co-hosts of the Quantum Leap podcast. They've done a couple episodes on that. Uh, so we're going to defer to them to really talk about the the digging up of the alternate ending because we feel like that was kind of like their uh, scoop. So not to uh, to not to step on on their toes, and we uh, we love to encourage you know cross listening of the of the two and a half. How do we refer to Beckett to the future? They, <laughs> they, they kind of petered out halfway through uh, the the two and a half quantum leap podcasts that are out there. Um, so yeah, we'll even uh, link up their episodes in the show notes. Um, but maybe in fitting with the episode, maybe we should just jump right into to Sam leaping in. No saga cell, no opening narration. We just jump right in. And watching it this yeah. last time, I've always thought that was kind of an artistic choice. Like, hey, this is the final episode. If you don't know what this show is about by now, we ain't explaining it to you. <laughs> um, but yeah. also, like, watching it this last time, knowing that they had to do a lot of quick last-minute editing because of the nature of they weren't exactly sure whether or not it was the final episode – it occurred to me, what if it was just like a necessity of time? Like they had so much to give in the final episode, they didn't even want to take like the 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 minute, minute and a half that the saga cell usually took. Right. Uh, yeah, I think that that's absolutely valid and 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 quite possibly the the case because you know the episode does get um, it's it's interesting. In some ways, it feels like the episode could be even longer than what it is. So I would imagine that there was probably some agonizing over what to put in, what to take out, and that by leaving the saga cell off and just jumping straight into the episode, it gave them the opportunity to make sure that not too much got left out because there's some really wonderful scenes. And early on in the episode, the episode is paced a little slow. Uh, compared to a lot of other Quantum Leap episodes, and it benefits a great deal from that pacing. So uh, I think it's the right choice, not only you know from the standpoint of saying like, you guys have been here for this ride, you know, you know what's going on. We're not going to give you that, but also from an artistic standpoint, I think it works really well too. I think so too. Um, and we jump right into uh, what is the name of that song? Uh, Johnny Mercer, "Accentuate the Positive" uh, from nineteen. 19- 44. Um, I just want to point this out. Um, when I rewatched the episode this morning, I did it sitting on my computer, listening to my headphones. So I just had like the sound like piped directly into my ears. The sound editing on this episode is fantastic. Uh, between the music I picked up, I picked up like some little like background ambiance before that I, I had never picked up on before. Um, and so I really appreciate it. Um, so yeah, we have Johnny Mercer's accentuate the positive in the beginning. Uh, we have a couple bits of swing music that play underneath scenes. Um, and I forgot like just how much, like there's just like 
music underneath the dialogue throughout much of this episode. Uh, and, and Matt's book, Beyond the Mirror Image, he points out that the, the swing music that we hear, we had heard previously uh, in both Ghost Ship and The Lead Back. So I thought that was an interesting reuse of that music. Yeah. Um, which may, I, I don't think it, was, it may have just been like incidental background music that was written specifically for those episodes and they just reuse them. Yeah. I mean, in, in, in general, the, the, you know, the, the music throughout the episode and the score, uh, that we get is fantastic. And, um, you know, there, the episode makes you want certain pieces of music from the score of, of the show uh, in particular, like that leap home suite that we hear, uh, you know, many times throughout the, the the series, and again, another great artistic choice is they make you wait for it. You know, by the time we get the strains of that, um, it's almost time to say you know adios, and mm. and and yeah. I think it, you know again that it it would be tempting, it would be tempting to use that earlier than than what it is used. So. Um, yeah, I completely agree with you that the that the you know sound editing overall, um, you know, even down to you know the, the sound effects of you know the hustle and bustle in the bar uh, when we're in the mine, etc., um, is is handled really really well. And then of course the way that the score is is set, um, it, it's yeah, it's it's it really is perfect for this yeah. episode. And so we have uh, in, in this first scene, we we are introduced to Al. Um, and just from the very beginning, like, you know, Al knows what's up. I don't think they try to hide that at all. Right. No. No, not at all. And, and, and again, they're, they're better for it. And it's, um, you know, I, I, I'm reminded of, of a story um, that I think I might have alluded to before uh, when I was in school. And we were working with a professional actor and, you know, it's a bunch of college kids and, and the lone professional uh, in, in the bunch. And we were doing uh, this exercise called Giggle Weeps, where you basically think of the saddest moment and, and the happiest moment of your life. And um, in general, you know, this actor did not necessarily participate in a lot of these kind of exercises with us. Um, you, you know, he would kind of do his own preparation, his own thing. Uh, but this was one that the director kind of encouraged him to do. And I'll never forget his, his Giggle Weep is that he came out. And he just looked at all of us. And at first he had kind of this, you know, this smile on his face. And as he was, you know, kind of panning across all of us young actors, that smile turned into something a little bit more, you know, just distraught and, 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 and got bittersweet and, and finally kind of sad. And, you know, we were all choked up and, and he laughed. And when he revealed to us what his instruction had been from the director, it was, you know, the secret of life, you know, you know what happens when we die, why we're here, the whole thing, you know that. And that's the vibe that Bruce McGill gives off as Al. And it's so perfect because, you know, he knows, but you don't know exactly what it is or why it is. And you're frustrated because you don't know what he knows, but you know, he knows, he knows. He knows. And you know what he knows? <laughs> he knows that Sam needs a beer. That's yeah. right. <laughs> and he earned that schooner. He did. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, like, yeah, everything, they, they take it really slow. The, um, 
watching the episode in high definition, just the details of the of, of the bar and and the set decoration. Uh, yeah, really, really wonderful. And so, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Sam takes his time, stands in front well, of the and- mirror, and go ahead. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead. Oh, no, that's okay. Uh, I was just going to say that, you know, that that bar, I, I mean, it's 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 clear that Don Belisario, you know, injected so much of his childhood into it and was passionate about it because, you know, the bar, like you said, it looks so perfect and you can really appreciate it in high definition, you know, on the Blu-rays. Uh, and, and obviously the quality of most of the streaming services is far superior to anything that we've had before with this episode as well. But uh, it, it just adds so much to the atmosphere and kind of going back to what we were talking about too, with that sound editing and the sound effects, like the hustle and bustle of the bar when everybody's in it, it just feels very lived in and it feels very real. And it feels like the, you know, that, yeah, this is, this is the, that small town bar that you pop into, you know, for a beer after work. Um, and, and that lived in aspect of it, uh, it, it creates a, because the episode has that Twilight Zone feel a lot of times early on in the episode, it grounds things in such a way that y- you you are kind of taken aback when the the oddities you know begin to come our way when things get a little strange and and so I yeah I really appreciate that as well and I think you know let's face it one of our first bits of real strange in this episode is what you were just getting to and that's the reflection in oh the yeah and it's. Yeah, it it is such a flip on the expectation. Uh, yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, I'm trying to like if, if you were someone who had never seen this episode, and this is the first episode you ever just like tuned in on. Like, what what right. do you get out of that moment of oh, a guy a guy looks in the mirror and sees himself? What's the big deal? What's Nothing up? really. Yeah. Um, it is weird to us seeing Scott Bakula, you know, in his reflection. You know, uh, that had only happened before in uh, Temptation Eyes and various goofs along the way. But, uh, (laughs) you know, Um, well, and thinking about it in in the context of when the episode aired. Yeah, it was a I mean, that was a definite sign that this was going to be something different. And I think that even being even knowing that we were going to be watching the series finale, um, which we hadn't known long. I mean, the, the, the episode aired in May, and I think it was probably, what, late March, early April, when they started to publicize that, the, that this was going to be the end um, of the show. Forgive me if I'm repeating. Uh, I can't remember if we talked about this under Jessica's section or when... Uh, or I think I talked about this back during Memphis Melody, to be honest. Um, to me, I, yeah. I found out... Uh, Jay Leno announced it in his opening monologue immediately after Memphis Melody aired, which which aired okay. two weeks before the series okay. finale. That's when I knew. Yeah, I guess that. I mean that that would have to be that would have to be right. I mean, um, yeah, if he was announcing, and you, you did mention that. Um, no, I, I yeah, I, I think. Uh, that I, yeah, I'm just misremembering. I guess it was yeah about mid-April then. Uh, so you know we've, we've had we've had a couple of weeks to prepare sure. for this as fans of the show, and I think that even knowing going into the episode that it's the series finale, there is no expectation whatsoever that something like this is going to happen. And 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 when you you know when you when you get that that image 
uh, of him looking into the, the, the mirror and seeing himself, it sets you up for, I think, just a lot of the, you know, that this is, that, that again, this is going to be a very different hour of sure. Quantum Leap. And not in, you know, not in the way that like a leap back was, you know, something different or Lee Harvey Oswald was something different or evil leaper was something different, you know, leap for Lisa, whatever, you know, this is really going to kind of turn things on, uh, on their ear. And I think that, um, it's, it's just the perfect, oh boy moment, you know, using the mirror, using the mirror image to generate that. Um, cause there are episodes when we go 10, 15 minutes before Sam looks oh, sure. the mirror, yeah. you know, and to do it right off the bat in this one, given the nature of the episode, uh, I, I again, I think it's just the perfect sure. choice. Yeah. Maybe it's worth noting, um, and this is in Matt's book, he notes in some, uh, in the second draft of the script, things that either they weren't filmed or they, you know, they never made it beyond the, the draft stage is that at some point in this, uh, in this opening bit, Sam does point out that very often he rarely looks in the mirror throughout, um, you know, even recalling, uh, uh, blood moon where he did not even attempt to look into a mirror until, <laughs> until the final minutes of the, until the final moments of the, of the episode. Um, so yeah, we jump in, uh, we get this opening, the oh boy moment. And, and it's almost like they're trying to wipe the slate clean. It's like, they're trying to like return back to the true glory days of quantum leap. They take us back to not only the original theme song, but to the season three credits. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, the absolute right choice to use the, the, you know, the, the act, the real theme music as far as I'm concerned. And, and, uh, yeah, I mean the, the most iconic, um, credit sequence of the entire run of the show, um, I, I, you know, I think it's just the statement right off the bat to, to, to say, you know, we, we've, we've, we know we've gotten off the beaten path the past season and a half. You know, we know we've done some things that, that have, that have pushed the envelope. Some of it's worked, maybe some of it hasn't worked, but we know what works. And if you have a little faith in us, go with us for this next hour. Cause it's, things are going to get a little <laughs> kooky. Sure. Yeah. But you know, we're, we're, we're here to give you you know, something special that, that is true to the nature of this television yeah, I mean, program and true in particular. To I mean, our yeah, hero. this last hour, it, it, it's kooky, but it's kooky with a heart, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because you got, you got anchoring it. You got Scott Bakula and Bruce McGill and just like their, their great exchanges throughout the episode. And so, and so, yeah, it works. Um, so yeah, we come back and Sam is examining himself in the mirror, uh, surprised by the white hair, which is surprising <laughs> because he's had the white hair since the pilot episode. <laughs> he's had that streak. Scott Bakula has had it since it's four. I think since he was four years old when it appeared. Um, there's even I don't oh, know if wow. we've ever talked about this. There is a Facebook page out there that is simply called Scott Bakula's White Streak. <laughs> And it's just a fan page dedicated to pictures of Scott Bakula's white streak. He's got a lot more white streaks and white streaks in his hair these days. I was going to say, yeah, these days that 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 white streak has uh, has has gotten some yeah. friends. <laughs> uh, but 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 born out of that is some uh, are a couple great lines from Al, the bartender, of uh, knowing lines of when's the last time you took a really good look at yourself? You know, uh, you spend too yeah. much time not looking at yourself, you can lose touch with reality. 
Uh, that takes us over to uh, yep. to the Don Belisario memory board <laughs> over off on yeah. the left side of the bar. Um, you know, even goes everyone through Coke from Cokesburg who served is up there. Um, and it's worth pointing out. I think we talked about this during Jessica's segment. Is uh, this takes place in Don Belisario's hometown? The bar is based on his dad's bar. Um, this was kind of like, you know, we can talk about like, uh, was it just like really self service on his part? Because uh, it really means nothing to Sam or anybody else, fans of the show. Kochberg doesn't mean anything. Um, but yeah, when I mentioned this to Betsy when we were watching it, she was like, oh, it's kind of like he's coming home. Right, right. It, yeah, it's interesting because I know that I, I've talked about before that I didn't know that it worked and that, you know, why not set it in 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 Indiana, in Elkridge? Why not set it, you know, in New Mexico? You know, why not set it anywhere really other than this that would have a, a deeper connection to Sam and his travels? Um, you know, God, even setting it like in San Diego, um you know, and have him just walk across the street to Beth's. I don't know. Anyway, the, the, the thing that, 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 that as, as I think about it more and more, um, and think about the context of this episode, what I, what I love about it. And it reminds me, there's a, there's a used to be very famous. Now I think it's been buried under the deluge of, you know, just, just, amount of 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 doctor who ephemera that has that has you know come and been born out of the 2005 revival series um which you know i love i i'm not saying that this is a bad thing at all i'm so happy that there's so much of it but uh there was a very famous doctor who novel that was produced in the early 90s and um it, it was a part of the original quartet of books that launched the series the new adventures it was called time worm revelation written by paul cornell and paul cornell has gone on to write more for doctor who write write his own novels and 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 also write a couple of episodes of the television program and the novel one of the things that it does is it, it it you know sets part of the novel in your normal you know british country town and it just so happens that the church in that country town is a living entity Everything else about the town is normal. You know, it's a real town. It's a real, you know, it just happens that the church in the town is alive. And that contributes to the overall, you know, story. And I, 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 the more I thought about this episode, the more I, I couldn't help but think of that novel and thought, what if this is just Kochberg and everything is exactly the same as Don Belisario remembers? It just so happens that, similar to that novel, this bar happens to be this you know, this sort of temporal sure. nexus that exists. And for some people, it's just the bar they go to after work. But for some people, it's entirely something mm. else. And, and, and I, and again, like, as I thought about it more and more, it just really started to kind of like kick in. And I was like, I kind of like that idea. And so it, I know at one point, even last week, I was talking about the fact that it bothered me, but it, it doesn't, it doesn't as much after thinking about it a little bit more, I kind of appreciate it for what it is. Um, I mean, like you're saying, it is a little self-serving to decide I'm going to recreate my, you know, my dad's bar. But, but he's pouring himself into it. He's putting he's putting himself into it, and I think in some ways, it it gives him contrasting to what he did with Lee Harvey Oswald. <laughs> it gives him a true sure. connection 
to the heart of this story. And it's the reason why, I, you know, going back to also what you were saying earlier about this episode having so much heart, I think this is why. And I think it's successful because of that. And, and, and so I, I've grown to appreciate it. Uh, more and more as I what think you, about it. Whatever gets you there. Uh, at this point, before anybody else shows up in the episode, we should talk about uh, Bruce McGill, who we've seen on the show before. Uh, he was Weird Ernie, uh, yep. of course, in the pilot. And, um, Weird Ernie. I, I think we talked about this before. Um, he was in contention for Al for that role before Dean Stockwell basically came in and stole the role. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see... <laughs> Uh, to see him in this role, um, I, I think he he, he yeah. nails everything perfectly, um, especially the final scene, and we'll get to that, of course, later on. Um, but then, yeah, right. they have. Now, Go ahead. Cor- correct me if I'm wrong, but Stockwell was like Belisario's original choice. Like it was like if he was given like free reign to cast whoever he wanted, he wanted Stockwell. They just didn't think Stockwell was going to be interested. And and indeed Stockwell took some convincing to do it. And 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 so they were obviously casting the net out there going for other choices and McGill happened to be one of the leading names, you know, if Stockwell decided to take it. I think that, I think yeah, I think you're right. I think Stockwell was always the first choice. Uh he was hot. He just had an Oscar nomination for Married to the Mob, um, and, and so he had been mm-hmm. kind of in and out and in and out of Hollywood, and his his star was was rising once again. Uh, there's a great interview with Dean Stockwell that was done, um, I, I think, during the time of the fourth season of the series, and it's included in the Quantum Leap book, and then the complete Quantum Leap book uh, that that came out during the run of the show. And the interviewer even asked him, like, uh, like basically, like, like, why did you take the show? Like, you were like on your way up to becoming like, you know, like a movie star, like, you know, you had this thing going and Dean Stockwell was just very nice. It's like, eh, maybe, but maybe I was just getting lucky. So, uh, <laughs> basically he just, he just saw a, a great way to, to, to take a fun show. Uh, cause he, he loved the, the pilot script. Uh, and it was a way to, you know, to get an easy paycheck for, for a few years. So, um, but yeah, but like you said, yeah, Dean Stockwell was always always the first choice for the show. Yeah, yeah, you know, and it's interesting in this episode. Um, not not to not to jump ahead, but it is interesting that in this episode uh, we don't necessarily see less of him compared to other episodes. Certainly, there are other episodes where he's in them more, but um, we don't. We get one scene with him yeah. and Sam together. That's my biggest um, critique of this, and, of this entire episode, is that. Yeah, which I think, had they known going into making it and writing it that it was going to be the series finale, I think it would have been vastly different in that element sure. alone. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so, yeah, and then uh, I want to call this out. Yeah, so before anybody else shows up, there's this moment where, where Sam basically realizes that he walked into the bar at the moment he was born. But there's a bit of dialogue mm-hmm. between them, between like Eastern and Central Time, whatever. Mm-hmm. Basically, he says that he walked into the bar 17 minutes ago. And we've right. seen this play out pretty much in real time. 17 minutes has not passed. But Al, the bartender, no. does say time's a little funny here. So I'm, I'm kind exactly. of chalking that up to the, this is just the weirdness of this fever dream temporal nexus What? Temporal nexus, Whatever this baby. Is. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then someone uh, does walk in. A miner comes in for his shot. 
doesn't even say a word. Um, and we come to find out that this is Gushy, the miner, and he has bad breath, just like uh, just like our Gushy back at Project Quantum Leap. Yeah. Yeah, and it is it is a humorous scene because we do we see this you know this this very elderly looking man with this long white beard, you know, kind of shuffle in, get his shot, take his shot, let out a big exhale after he takes the shot. We see you know Sam waving the hat in front of his face. That guy has to have the worst breath ever. And then yeah, we hear the name Gushy, and um, it's again it just ratchets up that level of weirdness. Um, that that has really started from the you know basically from the moment Sam walked in, but especially from the moment he sees his reflection, um, and it's obviously not the last moment of weirdness we're going to get by any any stretch, but um, it it does start to make you feel like Wizard of Oz, you know, uh, the idea that you know you were there and you were there and you were there. And also trying to figure out what's the dream and what's the reality. You know, is Sam, is this the dream that Sam's in now? Or is this reality and the leaping around in time and everything else that's happened has been the dream? You know, the, so it's, it, 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 it definitely starts to make you uh, question um, the reality of, of where and when Sam is and who these people are. Uh, but I think on the, on the larger scale, it makes you kind of question the series as a whole. Yeah. I mean, I think looking at it through 2020 eyes. Yeah. Um, I don't. Yeah. It would have been a bold move to pull the rogue out from under us at the end of the series and say, oh, Sam, he was never traveling in time. This was all a head trip. Um, oh, yeah. That would have been I mean, terrible not that it hadn't been done. I mean, they and uh, what was it? They ended St. Elsewhere Saint with Elsewhere. the reveal that all of it took place in the child uh, uh, in the in the mind of an autistic child. Um so twists like that had happened before, uh, but that's not the twist that we we're going to have here. Yeah. So Sam, once he hears the name Gushy, he chases right. Gushy out of the bar. Um, we get the front shot. We are so very clearly on a set. They. Oh yeah. This is uh, as close to a bottle episode as we can get. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're on a set. We have the two right. kids tinkering with the with the bicycle out in front. Um, the kids we recognize from. Uh, most recently, A Tale of Two Sweeties, but one of the kids, Michael Belisario, he yep. had also appeared in Kamikaze Kid and also yep. uh, the Bat Boy in Play Ball. Yeah. Yeah, well, hey, when you're the son of the show's creator, you're going to get, get that. Work. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> um, and it's important to note, this is when Sam turns around and looks at the sign on the bar, because We've known this episode for almost 30 years now. We take it for granted. But this is the first time in the episode we find out that we're at Al's place. Yeah. And we also get uh, a good look at the mine in the background. Um, it's interesting because, you know, you mentioned that obviously this was, you know, sets and backdrops and such. The If you go to the Kochberg, Pennsylvania Wikipedia page... It makes the claim that the episode was shot on location in Kochberg, <laughs> which I, I haven't done it, but it makes me kind of want to go see if like Kochberg has a website, like if they've got like a city, you know, website or whatever and see if they claim that as well uh, or if it's just that it's set there. But I did find that amusing that on the Wikipedia page, it actually it uses the words, you know, it was shot 
in Kochberg. Um, but yeah, it gives us, you know, it gives us such a great, uh, feel, um, for where we are. And I think the other thing that it does for me, especially, you know, with my 2020 eyes is it reinforces that thought that this is really Kochberg, Pennsylvania on August 8th, 1953. It's just that there's something a little different about Al's place. The rest of the town is exactly as it is. It's just that this bar is special. And and again, you know, going back to Belisario himself, I mean, for him personally, it was a very special place. It meant a lot. And so I think he infuses it. And it's funny because, you know, in a show that has defied the sci-fi conventions of the basic premise and and has been, you know, for the bulk of the series, anything but sci-fi, it's been family drama. It's been screwball comedy. It's been action adventure. It's been, you know, but it's not been sci-fi with the exception of a few episodes here and there. Um, you know, Leap for Lisa being one of them, Leap Back, uh, you know, Lee Harvey Oswald to an extent, the Evil Leaper episodes. But other than that, you know, you look at like Color of Truth, uh, Thou Shalt Not, Black and White on Fire. I mean, hell, even Leap Home and, and you know, MIA, like they're they're just pieces of television drama and and yet in this episode he again that thing that's special to him personally you know it it becomes this element that looking back on the episodes especially 25 years later it fuels very much something other you know that 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 little piece that takes us out of the realm of the real and into the realm, realm of the fantastic and and i i again the more i think about it the more i just really love that Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on board. Uh, so he goes back in, and him and Al, they have um, a, a bit of a conversation about, I know a Gushy, and I happen to know an Al. Um, it's just weird, me being me and all. And, yeah, this the, yeah this moment of weirdness of uh, Al knows more than, Al knows more than he should. Let's put it that way. Um, yeah. But then we get introduced to to Stapa. Yeah, um, what a great character, and you know, really played to perfection by Stephen McCaddy, um, who is an actor that kind of specializes in, in playing kind of these more sinister, you know, oddball sort of, of roles. Um, you know, worth noting that at one time he was married to Meg Foster, uh, who of course we've seen before. She played. Um, uh, uh, in, in trilogy, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> Laura Fuller. Yes. Um, and you know, just a, a kind of a similar, um, presence in that, in, in that series of episodes, not a similar character, but just kind of that similar kind of presence. Um, and, uh, anyway, I think he's, I think he's great in this. And I love the fact that he's such a contentious and cantankerous character. Uh, oh, yeah. A nice foil for Sam and a lot of the other, you know, people that go to the bar. For sure. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. He was in, um, in 2013, he actually played Samuel Beckett in Meeting of the Poets. Um, what? Yeah, he was also in A, a History of Violence. Uh, he was one of the heavies mm-hmm. in the first in the first few scenes uh, there. Incidentally, History of Violence, the last major motion picture to be put out on VHS tape. Um, 
Mind blown. I know. <laughs> and, and the last thing I saw him in was from a few years ago. I'm trying to find it here. It was like somewhere between like 2000 and, uh, or 2010 and 2015 was a movie called Pontypool. Have you heard of this movie? Mm. No, I haven't. Um, it, uh, it's very much, it's almost kind of like a bottle movie. It is, uh, it almost entirely takes place in a radio station where he is a DJ and, uh, the only thing I'll say, it is a very interesting take on the zombie genre. Okay. But it has to do with language, and it all, almost all of it takes place inside a radio station. It's almost like a radio oh, play because you, you hear more about the zombie outbreak than you actually see the zombie outbreak. Oh, cool. Uh, but then, of course, the zombie outbreak does make its way into the radio station. Um, uh, naturally. Uh, and it's called Pontypool because it's named after the town in Canada where it takes place in. But anyway, um, okay. it used to be on Netflix. I'm not sure if it's still on there. But, uh, yeah, I watched it a few years ago. So definitely, definitely recommend that. Um, but yeah, also want to com- give him a shout for uh, his work in Watchmen. Uh, he played Hollis Mason, who is the original Night Owl. Um, and uh, quite a pivotal character, especially in the graphic novel, a little bit less so in the original cut of the film, but the director's cut, he's got, I think, an an extra scene or two. Um, And, uh, you know, I'm I'm a big, big fan of that movie. I love the, you know, the original graphic novel uh, to bits, but uh, I think that the movie did a great job. And um, he was someone that, you know, I came away from really, really enjoying um, his performance in, in that film as well. Oh, sure. You know what? I was wrong. Pontypool came out in 2008. It was even a year before Watchmen. How about that? How about that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I love the interchange between him and Sam and him and uh, Al. Him and Al clearly have uh, like a nice back and forth uh, yes. kind of a, a fun antagonistic relationship. Um, but we just can barely get what introduced. The- Go ahead. One of the things that's interesting about the character, too, is that for the course of the episode, you do just see him as being this coarse individual who inhabits the bar, upset about his injuries and his arthritis and, you know, just just really um, that that dark cloud that kind of, you know, drifts into the bar uh, at odds with people, but, but everybody still loves him because all oh, that's just stop And then after the episode, you know, once he kind of completes his journey in this episode, if you will, uh, you look at him in a very different manner. And whereas Al, the bartender, Al is kind of this, you know, he knows the secret and he has a good humor about him. Stop on the other hand, seems like he knows the secret, but he's not happy about it. And I really love that. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. And there's a couple of scenes he has with Sam that I think, again, you really can only get it looking back on the episode. It's not, it's not there while you're watching it. And I think that again, it's one of those things that we benefit from repeat viewings in this day and age. So I don't know that it was necessarily the intent that like everybody would get this when the episode aired. But I do think that there's some salt to the fact that, you know, this is uh, uh, a guy who also knows the secret, but he's not, you know, again, he's just not, he's not thrilled that he knows the secret. That he's not. Yeah. Cause he, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he has a different perspective. Uh, but then we, <laughs> that he yeah, does, we do, uh, and then we get introduced to uh, who we remember as Frank. But we're going to come to find out this is uh, Tanchi in this world, uh, played by our friend. We don't actually know him, 
uh, we'll consider him a friend. Uh, John John Diacano, John John Diacano, John Diacino, John Diacino. Here, there we go. Um, so yeah, so uh, yeah, he makes his way in. Give me a double shot of whiskey and a can of snuff. We get our first flashback of the episode, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Sam gets weird, goes in for a hug. Tanchi is not having it. Uh, and yeah. in the uh, ensuing conversation, we just find out that this Tanchi does have a brother with Down syndrome, much like Jimmy, but his name is Pete in this world. Um, yeah, they do not get off on the right foot, to say the least. No, and it's it, you know a couple of really interesting things happen in this moment. One, like you said, we get the flashback, which is in this. It's not really black and white. It's almost more of a sepia tone, you know, that, that we get for these flashbacks throughout the course of the episode. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it, there is this, um, tension between the two of them that I really like. And in addition to Sam it kind of alienating Tanchi with his overfamiliarity, he further alienates himself from Stapa by insinuating that his name is Jimmy, you know, yeah. don't cause it, which is also interesting that Sam does that because it, I, I think it, um, reaffirms the strong connection that Sam always felt to Frank and, and, and Jimmy's family. And, you know, we get a, a big sense of that, obviously in the evil leaper episode, uh, deliver us from evil, but, but there's something also just about the fact that he, even looking in the mirror and seeing himself, that he's willing to go into Tanchi who he thinks is Frank and be like, don't you recognize me, Frank? It's Jimmy. And it's like, well, Sam, come on, buddy. No. Yeah. You, you're not Jimmy. You know, and, 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 and not only does it create this weird moment of alienation for Sam from himself, this disconnect, but yeah, again, Stoppa calls him on it too. And Stoppa's like, oh, that's weird. Yeah. He that's told a, me his name was Sam. You that's know? a moment, if I was Tachi, I wouldn't let go just right away. But Jim, Sam, that's, that's a big difference. Like, you're not just misspeaking. Right. Uh, and let me note, on a note of levity, it's a good call that they, I mean, it is a little awkward that they had to use the, you're not, you're not the R word, you're just slow. Uh, yeah, but you know, at least it wasn't the moment from deliver us from evil where, where Frank is beating the crap out of him shouting, don't lie to me. Don't lie to me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We go to a dark place in that episode. We do. (laughs) Oh God. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, um, you know, one thing that I do want to mention, um, just to, just to back up to, in case we didn't already, uh, uh, say this earlier, but you know, Stephen McHattie gets our Star Trek shout out, not only, um, because, uh, of, um, the fact that he was in an episode of Star Trek Enterprise, but yeah, that he was in Enterprise. So he, he got to work with Bakula again, uh, down the road. Oh, and it was a long road getting from there to here. Oh, no. Why? Why must you do this to me? <laughs> Every time. Every time. Um, um, so, yeah, so the, the, the scene ends on a tense note where, yeah, um, Sam asks about Jimmy or Pete, and um, Frank is like, yeah, uh, don't, don't talk about him. There's a, another moment of, uh, of intensity, of uh, tension, when... Uh, Stop, Stropaw throws out the idea that he might be state lurker control board. And uh, right. so Stropaw's like, check his wallet. They're like, yeah, let me show you my wallet. No, I'm not showing you my wallet. Uh, one, I have a Velcro wallet. And what what they thought the early 90s, in the early 90s, what they thought <laughs> our future would be. Velcro wallets. Wow. But um, what a cool, like, 
what a cool moment though to see his driver's license. I really liked that. I can even remember as a kid originally watching the episode and just feeling like that was a big moment because it gave us, you know, like these solid facts about Sam that we didn't necessarily know before. It, it just solidified, and it also solidified the, the fact that again, I think for me anyway that this is a real moment that, that that's Sam, that that is literally Sam in this bar in 1953, that it's not some sort of weird, you know, dreamlike state or whatever that, that, that I, I don't think he's like materializing his wallet out of his, you know, dream space or psychic energy here. I think this is a literal, like Sam has his wallet on him. Yes. It does confirm that Beckett is spelled with two T's. Um, And also of note is that this driver's license was issued to him on August the 2nd, 1995. Mm -hmm. Depending on what source you go by, this is after when he leaped. Mm. Uh, And I can't remember if it was in Matt's book or or somewhere else. I I read this fan wank idea, but... um, the fact that the date on his driver's license that it's issued after he supposedly leaped kind of tips to the hat that maybe the project was doing some fakery and trying to um, make it appear that Sam Beckett was still in the present time. Well, I mean, that's that's a good point. And it is something that the novels touch on a bit where, you know, there are points where they actually do try to convince people that Sam is is, you know, alive and well and in the present and not leaping through time. Um, so I, I, I mean, that's, that's, I, I, I agree. I think that is ultimately fan wank, um, because there have been a number of times when we've been given, you know, kind of conflicting, you know, points of departure, uh, for Sam, but that said, I like it. And I think that it does kind of help to, uh, you know, potentially explain some things. And, you know, I think that with what we learn later in the episode, it it gives credence to the idea that Sam has more control over certain things so that, you know, it's, it's not just as simple as like Sam leaping into himself and having his belongings. It's Sam leaping into himself and having his belongings that are back at the project. As opposed to, again, it's not just some sort of weird, he's materializing these things out of thin air. It's literally that he basically leapt into himself at the project and has his belongings with him from that point in time. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm not down, saying that like... Yeah, I'm going down the road of fan wank of, of the, what we see Sam wearing is what he was wearing but put he, before he put on the Fermi suit to leap for the first time. <laughs> Could be. Which Could I hadn't, be. Th- which I hadn't thought about. Yeah, which I hadn't thought about before. Um, but yeah, so, so that, that scene comes to an end. Uh, he, he tucks his wallet back away. Uh, there's almost a fight, which Al breaks up. Uh, not a fight, but yeah, like Tanchi's moving in for the attack. Um, right. But then, yeah, so uh, Tanchi takes his pail and leaves because the, the, the horn or the, the, the whatever announces that the shift is, the, is about to begin. Um, I was like, hey, you're going to be late. Can't have that. Get out of here. Um, and then so uh, Tanchi leaves. Al pulls out the wallet more time. We get one more, like, nice close-up. Um, and then we have a transition 
we are in the future at Project Quantum Leap. Yeah, and we get some some stuff between uh, Stockwell and Dennis Wolfberg, who of course we've seen before as Gushy. Um, you know, we 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 know um, based off of certain you know production elements and conversations that have taken place in the intervening years that the plan was definitely to show to continue to show more of the project, uh, should we have gotten a season six? Um, and I, you know, I feel like it's something that they'd kind of been dipping their toes in the water for, um, for a while, you know, since basically since, um, the beginning of season four. And, uh, you know, we've, we've, we've gotten a couple of episodes in season five where we saw more of the project. Um, but I think that again, that the, the notion was that, now we would really get more to the to the point that Dennis Wolfberg would have had, you know, uh, um, a, like a guest star credit in the show and, and appeared as gushy more often. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's 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 an interesting scene. It, it helps to kind of set up the stakes even higher, because up until this point, obviously, we've not seen, you know, our Al come into the picture. And we learn here that they don't know where Sam is, that they've completely lost him. Um, and that Gushy then goes to tell Al the only way to find Sam is, you know, to basically search for him and that it could take months, maybe years. Yes. Uh, it is worth noting. And that the only way to do this is that Al has to stay, you know, in, in the chamber the entire time. In the imaging <laughs> chamber, yeah. Uh, it is worth noting um, that in one of the draft scripts, draft draft scripts, that uh, Gushy and Ziggy check to see if Sam might have leapt into a ghost. Interesting. Interesting take. Um, and it's also like, um, if they're surprised that no one's in the waiting room, but in the TV series we've established that Sam's body leaps, what's in the waiting room between leaps? How do they know? Well, yeah, especially because we know, we touched on this uh, before, that the time that takes place between Sam leaping out and leaping in can be weeks. Yeah. I think so it, in that interim, you know, yeah. What, yeah, what is happening? I think it only works is uh, you kind of have to chuck what they say in the pilot about that. Because other things they show in the yeah. series kind of goes against that, um, including this, uh, including the immediate leap out, leap in between Dr. Ruth and the vampire from Dr. Ruth to Blood Moon. You almost feel like, you know, like, oh, you know, first, especially the pilot episode, they were just fighting their legs. Unless, unless, some fan wank to offer, early in the project's history, Upon Sam's first leap, because things were still kind of happening, uh, you know, they were figuring things out, not on the production side, but but literally within the story, that the attempts to, to, to get Sam back and the attempts to, you know, do that is that maybe when Sam leaps, the body in the waiting room does disappear and then reappears. And that those first couple of times, the project is like, is it Sam? Is it not Sam? Oh, it's not Sam. And that as they maybe stop trying to get him back, realizing that they're not having any success at it, that that's when the leaps start to become instantaneous because there's no interference because like they're trying to get him back is presenting some sort of interference. 
Mm. And, and when they stop trying to do that, it becomes an instantaneous thing where, yeah, it's just a revolving door of, you know, who am I this time? <laughs> I like that. Um, yeah. But anyway. How sad so this, is it that they do? They just give up, don't they? Yeah. They just like, they stop trying to get him back. They stop. <laughs> I, I know, right? They stop trying. Anyway. Um, and it's, it, um, it is interesting um, that they choose to put Al in the Admiral's outfit to the entire episode. And yeah. I really wonder if it was just a practicality of they knew he was going to be standing in front of a blue screen for the majority of the episode. Um, mm. Also, as a little reminder that, oh, yeah, Al was military. Al was MIA. That ends up being like what the, the crux of the episode comes down to. Um, right. I wonder if it was like a, a mix of a mix of those choices, because I got to tell you, it might have made sense for Al to be in his admiral's outfit in that first scene. But if I knew that I was going to be sitting in the imaging chamber for for a long period of time, I may have put on some more comfy clothes. I'm just now, saying it. I, I don't disagree with that at all, but it is worth noting that the novel Mirror's Edge does do a little work to try to explain why that is. Because, you know, Al has been uh, basically, you know, arguing on behalf of, of keeping the project going because there's fear of, of, of it being shut down. And there are actually scenes in the novel that take place with Al in uniform talking with Sam's brother, um, yeah. uh, Tom, which is which is, uh, you know, interesting in and of itself. And, you know, one one of these days we'll we'll get there. But, uh, um, yeah. It's. It, I mean, it's a great novel, uh, and, it, and it's not all about trying to make things fit. But uh, it is interesting that 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 is kind of how it gets to explained away in, in in the novel. And it, again, it adds to the stakes. This idea that you know there's a lot of pressure surrounding this particular moment, and now it's just been ramped up with the fact that they can't find Sam. Sure. Yeah, I like that explanation. Uh, but now we're back at the bar. We get a nice sweeping shot coming back in from the commercial break. Um, we get uh, a, a nice cameo from Don Belisario himself. Um, yeah. uh, lis- listening to it. Uh, Unrecognizable. <laughs> un- yeah, yeah. Uh, listening to it more closely, uh, the thing that he's saying as he's stepping away from the bar is that he's telling Al to put it on Mutta's tab. Mm. Uh, to put this round of drink on, <laughs> on, on Mutta. Uh, so, yeah. And then... Um, we get the, the voiceover from, from Sam. He's nursing his third beer, trying to figure out what's going on. And we're introduced to, to Captain Zero and a return of Captain Galaxy. Yeah. Mo Stein, although obviously not, not Mo Stein. But uh, it's a great moment. And it's interesting that they decide to bring this character specifically back. Um, you know, that episode, Future Boy, is definitely a, you know, a, a bit of a fan favorite. Um, I think that, you know, the actor, um, Richard Hurd, who unfortunately we lost earlier this year, um, is fantastic and offer you know, his, his malapropisms throughout the episode, uh, give us a, a great sense of humor. Um, there's some interesting moments that occur between the two of them that mirror, no pun intended, moments that occurred during Future Boy, um, which, you know, again, kind of add to that sort of eerie, you know, Twilight Zone quality at times. Uh, I think the thing that interests me about choosing this specific character to come back to is the idea that Mo had the idea for the string theory and for quantum leaping, you know, before Sam ever did. Yeah. 
and, and so it's almost like creates this weird through line and ties into the fact that we've been introduced to other leapers in this season that, you know, what if Sam is, is not the first, you know, sure. we've been given the idea that Sam wasn't the last because it certainly with all the evidence that are, we are presented, it seems that Aaliyah started leaping after Sam that this was, you know, that she hasn't been leaping around before him. But now maybe, maybe with this episode, we're kind of given the idea that like, well, what if he wasn't the first? Mm -hmm. And I think that that's really interesting. And I think using the character of Mo Stein, again, you know, looking back on the episode 25 years later, it does make you wonder if that was one of his purposes um, in the episode. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I like that. I think that's interesting. It kind of makes me, I had never thought about this before. I wonder if there was anybody that they really wanted to get back for the final episode and they couldn't get back. Mm. Um, yeah. I'd be interested to know that. To get Sam's brother me in too. there. Right. Oh God. That would have been, that would have been really interesting. Um, but yeah, yeah. So they have this nice moment. It's revealed that this is actually, uh, Ziggy, um, uh, 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 Ziggy's malpropisms. <laughs> One I had never caught before until I rewatched the episode and saw the stu- uh, and saw the the captions, uh, the subtitles. Don't let Strawpog get your coat. <laughs> I had never uh, noticed that goat. One yeah, yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't let Strawpog get your coat. I had never noticed that one before. Um, yeah. While all this is going on, we do get the side conversation between Strawpog and Al, where we get the flashback. Uh, uh, to the pilot episode, things might go a little caca. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it is interesting that, 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 and I don't want this to sound like a too harsh of a criticism, but it is odd to me that, that that is such a, uh, a trigger for Sam. Is it really that unique of a phrase or is Sam just being sensitive to the fact that there are these odd things happening around him and he's trying to make, connections you know his scientist brain is trying to draw those connections because i think taken on its own it's sort of like well is it really that weird of a thing um but in in context of everything that's happening around him i get why he you know why he makes a big deal out of it sure i mean it's and at this point sam is starting to get a little like the way he behaves with ziggy in the scene like he's starting to get a little loopy yeah, totally. And he gets a little bit more loopy as the as the episode goes on. So yeah, he's a, he's a little sensitive to stuff right now. Um, but what I love is like when he breaks away from uh, when he breaks away from Ziggy. And like you said, there's a wonderful moment where him and Sam like they mirror wiping their mouths. I don't know why mm-hmm. I'm doing it. We're in an audio medium here. Uh, they they mirror wiping their mouths. Uh, it is very uh, reminiscent to like when they uh, are mirroring wiping their, their lips off after taking the drink of milk, I think, and uh yep. in Future Boy. But then what I love yep. about him and in Al's next scene is that without saying it, like they just drop all the pretense of Al doesn't know everything. Yeah. You know, like Sam steps up to the bar and like in a confrontational way and he's like, I know an Al who says caca. Yep. What? This is just another coincidence. But then, uh, but then Al offers up to play to play the little jackpot game, which I meant to look up. I'm, I'm interested to see like how popular those those little jackpot punch games that he had at the time were. Um, yeah. And he promises if he wins the jackpot, ten bucks, and the answer to your question of why am I here, and he means it. 
and the look in his eyes, he means it. Yeah. I love the fact that not only does Sam not win the jackpot, but that there's a moment of hesitation when Al asks him, did you win? Because I love that we're getting a picture into Sam being so desperate that what I took that for is that Sam's thinking about lying to him. Sure. But he, but he can't do it. Yeah. Even in this circumstance, he can't go that far. Even, you know, even now he just says no. Yeah. And it's, and it's such a, it's such an interesting moment. I really, really like it. And again, it, it goes back to what we were saying earlier about the pacing of the episode is that they take their time and that makes these moments land even better. Yeah. Yeah. And then we go back, then we fade to back to the project. Uh, we're in the control room. We're starting the nano search. And I got to <laughs> tell you, when I was, when I was a kid, this was my first hint of disappointment in this episode. Sure. That, that, that there was fuckery afoot because, uh, we are clearly not in the control room of, of the leap back. They, they had built clearly just the bare minimum that they had to build for this control room set. Uh, we don't even get an interaction with Ziggy. We don't hear Ziggy's voice at all. Throughout the entire episode. And yeah. she's right there. Right. Um, yeah. It, yeah. Worth noting, not that this had anything to do with it, but at this time, Deborah Pratt and Don Belisario had divorced. Mm. So maybe maybe there was a little bit of, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to have her on my set. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. But also, um, and this is also in Matt's book, they, they had huge debates over what to do. If this was the series finale, whether or not to bring uh, Sam home. Now, Deborah Pratt, right. she has she has said it was her idea to keep Sam out there leaping because then that one from a practical standpoint, it left the door open for theatrical movie, reunion movie, whatever. Uh, but also she felt it was more kind of uh, fitting, almost more romantic for the story of, of Sam to know that Sam is still out there saving lives. Um, yeah. Whereas Don Belisario wanted to bring him home. And then apparently years later, at some point, Don Belisario contradicted that. And he said, no, it was his idea to leave Sam out there leaping, whatever. Um, I well, wonder if, it, you it, know, it, one of the things that go ahead, I, I was going to say, one of the things that kind of gives Deborah Pratt's story credence over Don Belisario's is the fact that, you know, even early on after the, um, the cancellation of the show, that she was the one that was pushing for, um, you know, continuation sure. or a spinoff of some sort. And so I think that it makes more sense that if she were, you know, if she were to be the one that was kind of like, hey, let's keep him out there, then, you know, that that of course backs up the fact that she wanted the, the, like she explored there being a cartoon at one point there was going to be an animated series there was going to be you know the live action series there was going to be you know potential spin-off that didn't necessarily wasn't directly quantum leap necessarily but had to do with something else so i i i think that that makes a lot of sense that she was the one and and maybe and maybe Belisario never disagreed uh, you know, or maybe it was initially his idea and she picked it up. Who knows? I'm not going to say one way or the other. It just seems to me it feels more like something that she would do compared to, you know, some of the stuff that maybe he's done throughout the course of the series. Sure. Um, but anyway, so they, they start the nano search in the imaging chamber. Um, 
when I was a kid, I thought this effect was really cool. Like everything I just said about the control room, whatever. Uh, I love this this little funnel effect. If you look really closely, I think almost all of the clips that they show you are are is footage from previous episodes. Um, just in this very first winding up, I saw footage from uh, How the Test Was Won, um, uh, All Americans. Uh, what was the other one? I jotted it down. Um, how the Test Was Won, All Americans, Kamikaze Kid. Um, I think later on we get a shot from uh, Maybe Baby. Mm. Um, I, I think everything aside from when they freeze on Ronald Reagan um, at the end of one scene, I think everything else is yeah. footage from previous episodes. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't. I, I honestly didn't pay too much attention to it, just because I. I think I've always felt, even when I was a kid, that there were cooler ways to have done this. Oh yeah. Yeah, it just feels a little. I don't know. It just. It, it didn't quite. It didn't quite register as that this is what would happen if they were doing this. This you know this speed search for Sam. Like it. It. it, it it's almost right, maybe in some ways, and and maybe that's why it. it doesn't feel right because it's close to being right, but it's not. I I just wonder if it would have been better if if the, um, if we would have seen the effect from the perspective of like the whole room changing, like as if Al is standing in the middle of the room and then all of a sudden one second he, he is in how the test was won. And the next second he's in, you know, pool hall blues and the next second he's, you know what I mean? Like if it was that sort of thing, as opposed to this weird funnel effect happening around him, uh, I feel like honestly, the, re, the the main thing that comes out of it is the joke, the gag line about you know he's going to barf, Ralph, barf, he's yeah. gonna Ralph, he's going to pew, you know all, all that sort of stuff, uh, which harkens back to that painful moment in Doctor Ruth. Uh, but, <laughs> but anyway, um, I do you know again? I, I mean, I, obviously, uh, it, it feels smaller than it should. I do, I do feel as though it would have been. Uh, better had there been maybe more people there working on this had there been some sort of support it it, it feels a little weird that it's just the two of them doing this thing and And i I know that there's been theories and stuff to support it in the novels but it just still feels weird to me yeah it's and that was like i said the kind of like oh like why is the control room why is it so small why isn't there anybody else there what's up yeah 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 uh where, where's everybody at? Where's it? Yeah. Uh, so we get back uh, to the bar, um, and, and now uh, all of the miners are there. After I think you said last week, uh, probably after like first shift. No, 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 no. no we're, they, we've already established that before. Sorry. Um, yeah, all the no, miners are still there. Um, Sam is hanging out. This is where we find out how Ziggy got his nickname. And I've always thought the scene was really cool. Is that we learned that Al has given everybody their nicknames, and we hear some nicknames from previous episodes. Uh, specifically, we hear uh, Herky, which is yep. one of Sam's uh, uh, teammates from the Leap Home on the basketball team. And we hear Skaggs. He's one of the two thugs um, in MIA. Um, those are the two that jumped out at me. Yeah. Um, and also worth noting that Mutta is played by Dan Butler, uh, who also appeared in Southern Comforts. Oh, right. That's right. Yeah. And, and, um, well, we're not quite there yet, but we're, we'll get another, sure. Another call back to double yeah. identity here in just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, I, uh, yeah, this is just a fun scene with like, you know, hearing like the history of, uh, donkey basketball and uh, yeah, all that fun stuff. And then the scene that's coming up between Sam and Strapa about, I'm getting tired of you calling Ziggy all these names. What if people called you crippled, disability, whatever? Um, that was a scene that was cut from from syndication. Mm. Um, uh, as I recall, it went straight from um, Strapaw challenging Ziggy to spell his own name, which he can't. And then it jumps straight to the trouble horn going off and everybody running to the mine. Um, so this extra scene with Strapaw... Um, that's an extra little scene you don't get if you're watching it in, in reruns. Um, that's too bad. Yeah. Uh, and then we get uh, from there. Yeah, we get to the mines. And I think you said last week it, it almost throws you off when we are going to a completely different set in this episode. So one of the things that's interesting about, yeah, the, the, the switch to the coal mine is that it reinforces that, I, that idea, I think, that, that I was kind of espousing earlier about Al's place being this, you know, this just this interesting, magical, fantastical temporal nexus in the middle of a very real place. Um, because once you go off site to the coal mine, I feel like it you can no longer think that this is an entirely like this unreality that Sam has created. And I also would argue, of course, that, you know, the, the virtue of Al, you know, our Al eventually finding him, you know, also kind of reinforces the idea that he's really in Cokeburg, Pennsylvania, August 8th, 1953, as opposed to it being, you know, something else. Um, at least that's how I'm going to take it. But, but yeah, it, 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 it is, a, it is a weird moment just because up until now it feels like it could be this entirely self-contained bottle episode that takes place inside this bar and they never leave, uh, which would give it an even more kind of sinister, almost twilight zone feel. But instead now that they leave, um, yeah, it's different. And it, and it, it did upon my initial watch and my rewatch, it did kind of take me out of the episode. Um, even though in retrospect I can make it kind of connect in a way that intrigues me, I think while watching the episode, it is a moment that kind of makes you go, huh, oh, that's an interesting choice. Now, see, I'm going to throw you a counterpoint, because here's why it still works for me. Oh, boy. Because, and it, practical reasons, like, they didn't have the budget to show them, like, like running through the streets to get to the coal mine or whatever. But we go straight from the bar yes. to the coal mine and straight back. It has this very dreamlike quality of trouble in mine. Oh, we're at the mine. Okay, oh, that's fair. At, oh, we're back at the bar. It's just something like since we don't see them actually going back and forth, to me it still kind of lends itself to the dreamlike quality. Yeah. No, that's that's a really, really good point. And, um, man, I – I struggle, I think I struggle with thinking of this episode as being a dream or unreal in, or the afterlife. It, 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 that's, that's difficult for me to accept. Um, but that is a really, really good point. But yeah, for what it's worth. Um, but right. Yeah, in, in this scene, <laughs> we are uh, introduced to, uh, to, oh, what's this fellow's name? Why have I lost it on the page here? Mike Ginebesi. Mr. Collins. Oh, Genovese. Yeah, Mike Genovese. Yeah. Yeah, Genovese from, uh, from Double Identity. Right. And like I said, I love at this point they, they, they stop doing the flashbacks. Um, uh, and I think I mentioned this during our chat with Jessica. In my mind, every single person that Sam encounters on this leap is someone he has met on a previous leap. Mm-hmm. Even if they don't flat call it out. 
every single he recognizes at least in some small way every single person that's there uh they just <laughs> it just becomes annoying if they start flashing back every single time um because then it is just a clip show but um <laughs> right but yeah but this and most importantly it, yeah it, it sets up the stakes there's been a collapse Tanchi and pete are stuck there's an argument over whether or not they should they should go in um Stropoff throws out that that Sam is uh, the state safety inspector, so that um, is there, it's, it's to make Mr. Collins sweat the way he puts it. Um, and so Mr. Collins says no, no one's going down there to rescue him right now. But he does offer Sam the the opportunity to use his office to to whatever while he's investigating. Um, so yeah, those are the stakes. Uh, Tanchi and Peter trapped, but for right now they are not being allowed to go to go search for them. Yeah. One of the things that's interesting about this to me, um, and I am a little conflicted, to be honest, is that I wonder how necessary it is for there to be a mission. And this kind of feels like your standard boilerplate, you know, quantum leap mission. And I think the reason I'm conflicted is because on one hand, I think it just reinforces the backbone of the series and it leads to something very interesting, which makes us question a lot about um, the fabric of the series and Sam's mission and his journeys and who these people in the bar are and who Al, the bartender, is. Um, I also think that on the other side of that coin, it makes me feel as though there's so much left unexplored with the dialogue between Al, the bartender, and Sam and Stawpaw and some of the other you know denizens of the bar that it shifts focus away and I and I, if anything, by the end of this episode, you know, we you and I've talked about it. Jessica and I talked about it. That I wanted there to be more. I feel like the episode is almost too short, even though it's a standard length episode. And so to you know to decide that we're going to have this standard mission, I, I I'm left questioning: is this is this meant to tell me something specifically about the situation Sam's currently in? Or is this basically a distraction and the feeling that, well, we've got to have, you know, we've got to have something for Sam to do to save the day? I think it's there because it's not for Sam to save the day. And and I think it's all, I think the answer to your question is tied up when we have this moment with um, Strapa and Sam looking down into the shaft and um, Strapa's monologue. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, where he basically says, like, you know, they're cold, they're wet, scared. Um, you know, Pete's real scared because he can't uh, see his brother. And um, so Strapod knows. And I feel like I've always kind of thought that this is how Strapod died. That he, yeah. that, he, that he had died in a collapse. So he right. knows exactly how it feels. Right. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with that at at all. Um, but because we're left to, because the episode leaves us with so much to grasp at, it it feels as it does feel like we're almost cheated in a way because we're not we're not given any sort of conclusion or, 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 or definitive answer about that. And because there's so many other things that are kind of left up in the air, um, it ends up feeling, I guess, a little 
unsatisfying in some ways and it does make me feel a little conflicted I, I i wish that they had maybe made that a little bit more explicit because to me it's like you can't have you can't leave everything ambiguous you know you have to have some things explicit because the more you if you leave more things ambiguous then the less there is for me to like care about and and really truly like latch on to within the course of the episode. And so Stawpaw ends up, I think, a more curiosity than anything because we don't know. Maybe he's not dead. You know, maybe the people in the bar are mistaken. Maybe that's just what Al wants them to think. Maybe he's a leaper like Sam and not at all dead. And, and you know, the implication that Sam has, is dead or has been dead this entire time, I don't like. So it's, it's, it's one of those things that I feel like it's a, it's a, it's a weird bit that there's no conclusive evidence one way or the other. And if I decide, if I, you know, if I decide to look at it as like, no, Stoppa's dead. Okay, great. He's dead. Everybody acts like he hasn't been there, but everybody was interacting with him. It's not like people weren't interacting with him. This isn't like a sixth sense thing where the only person that interacted with Stoppa was Sam and Al. Like everyone was interacting with him and talking about him. So it's, it's just, it, again, it's one of those things that I feel like kind of, it, it ends up being a, a bit of a distraction as opposed to being something that really uh, supports the, the the core of this particular story for me. See, that's something I've, I've always found kind of cool is that um, everybody in the bar had interacted with Strawpaw, but they just don't remember him. There's something I find cool about that aspect. Rewatching the episode this morning, I realized... Um, had they done this episode 10 years later when this was the craze post fight club, they may have, they may have scripted it so that <laughs> the only people that straw pod did interact with were Sam and Al. And then looking back, you're like, Oh, that makes sense. Um, right. to me, I, 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 uh, yeah, I can't articulate it. Well, I, I think it's kind of a cooler take like, yeah, no, he was there and he was interacting with them. But then when he's gone, he's gone. Uh, it's, it's exactly like, uh, uh, Angelita in It's a Wonderful Leap. Right. Because at the end of the episode, she explains to, to Sam that that's exactly what's going to happen. Um, no one's going to remember her. Yeah. Th- yeah. That everyone's going to forget having interacted with her. Yeah. I guess then that that, you know, leads us to a, a larger question, which we can save for, for a little bit later. And, you know, we, we touched on it a little bit, but the, you know, the implication of Sam being dead and being an angel, which I don't like at all. Why? Well, I don't like the idea that he's dead. I don't like the idea that all of a sudden this becomes highway to heaven (laughs) and touched by an angel. I don't like that at all. Okay. Um, it doesn't make any sense at all that he's been able to father a child. You know, it doesn't make any sense at all that like that, that the leap back makes no sense whatsoever. So it's one of those things that I just feel like it's not, it's a neat theory to toss around, but I don't think that there's any, there's any real conclusive evidence for it. And it's not a theory that I would ever subscribe to. Mm. Um, how much do we want to talk about Mirror's Edge and how that could contribute? You know, I think we should probably save that for when we cover the novel. Okay. But, but, I mean, we can talk about it a little bit. Um, 
so jump ahead like two minutes if you haven't read Mirror's Mirror's Edge and you don't want a huge spoiler. Um, Beat, beat, beat. So the thing, (laughs) Mirror's Edge ends with Sam being killed and the two-page epilogue is the first moments of this episode. So it sets up that Sam is dead. He's not dead from the moment he leaped, but Sam was killed immediately before this episode. Hence why he now leaps as himself, because he is a ghost, like how Strapa leaps as himself. You don't well, like that idea know, either. Ultimately, as much as we talk, as much as we talk about him, that's why the novels aren't canon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and maybe it was what Belisario was going for. You know, I would argue uh, until, you know, she herself tells me different that that's not anything that 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 Deborah Pratt would ever have have wanted, agreed to or thought was the case for Sam at all. Fair. I, I mean, I just don't think that that would be her. That's I don't think that's her vision of the show. I mean, I think that I, I could see why Belisario would go that way with his Roman Catholic upbringing, et cetera. You know, but I just don't think that again, I don't think that that's the that that's the vision that a lot of other people had for this show. And I would really, really want to know what, you know, what Scott would think about that as well. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that he would disagree with it. I just wonder, sure. you know. Yeah. yeah. Um but that uh, so we're back at the bar, and this is um, a great scene between Sam and Al. Um, I love the line: "A good bartender has to be part philosopher, part psychiatrist, part psychic." Um, he just has a lot of good one-liners um, throughout this scene. And at one point, he says, "Who knows what Don Quixote can accomplish?" And I've always taken that. As Al kind of like winking to Sam and going, hey, I remember that episode where you leaped into a regional understudy. (laughs) And you were Don Quixote. (laughs) Yeah. Um, um, But yeah, that scene ends with uh, Al says like Sam is not there to save Tonchi and Pete. Hey, if it happens, who knows what Don Quixote can accomplish. But Strawpod does think that Sam is there to save Tonchi and Pete. And so his advice is to be safety inspector. Right, right. Um, so that takes us back um, to the mine and where, where Sam is posing as, as the safety inspector. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, and the, the thing that's nice about this, too, is that, you know, I think with uh, um, we, we, with Sam um, trying to kind of figure things out and thinking that he's going to get a bigger answer for, for the reason for all of this, it's also nice to see him still kind of jump to action to, to save people and to help people. Um, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's obviously been interested in these people's lives, which is great. But uh, I, I, I like that this is, um, this is a cool moment where uh, – he gets the chance to, you know, to, to, to be the hero that it's not necessarily just about figuring out, you know, what, um, what this has all been about for himself, but also, um, what this is, you know, how this is affecting everyone else. And, and it plays into, I think what, what, what happens obviously with Stoppa, but it also plays into a great deal with his final conversation with Al, the bartender. Sure. You know, it's like, he can't help himself. He can't help himself. Yeah. You know, 
and he can't help himself, which is also yeah. true. <laughs> which is also, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he has a confrontation with, um, with the main guard in front of the mine shaft, played by James Whitmore Jr., who we have seen before behind the camera, in front of the camera on the show. Um, I've always found this bit of Sam dropping the, the, the note from Mr. Collins down the <laughs> shaft. <sighs> I've always found this a little bit lame. But hey, hey, what are you going to do? we got to move the plot along. Yeah. Um, right, right. Uh, so yeah, they, they, uh, while the guard goes to, to clear it up, they're going to go ahead and load up. Um, and he decides to just let him go. Have you ever taken notice of the the other weird guard that kind of steps in kind of awkwardly? He's like an extra who doesn't quite know what to do. <laughs> yeah, I know. What he you're just he about. just kind of starts to step in, like edges in, edges in. He has this very awkward look on his face. It is not the same actor, but that actor has always given me the same energy as the mugger in It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> Yes. Uh, so I've always yes. like, oh, that, yeah, that's the mugger from It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so they load up. It's a wonderful leap. It's a wonderful leap. Dennis. It's a wonderful leap. Just because, it's a wonderful just leap. because we're here a week, away, a week away from Christmas. We don't want to screw that one up. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, it's a wonderful leap. Yes. Um, Everyone's going to be like, George Bailey got mugged? mugged? I missed that part. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the miners go down the shaft. Uh, Sam can't go down because they don't have enough resurrectors resuscitators them too yes um <laughs> yeah uh and then we are we were back at the bar for for bringing in the plot like what ends up being the crux of this episode is sam talking about al uh the hologram calavici and how the one time that he failed his friend yeah yeah um and it is, uh, you know, it's 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 one of the finest moments of the of the series. Um, you know, there's this wonderful chemistry between Bakula and McGill um, that we've seen throughout the episode, but it really comes home here. Um, you know, you just have two professionals just working. Uh, with with what they've been given in such a beautiful way, and I think the wonderful thing about McGill and, and and you know this is just a testament to his ability as as an actor is to step into a series that yeah I mean he was in the first episode five years ago, um, but he steps into this series and he plays such a pivotal role and 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 has one of the most emotional moments and 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 revelatory moments with the lead character in the history of the show, and. Uh, and, and, and it's just it's just so beautifully done and it drives home the weight of what's been happening to Sam these past five years. Um, you know, I, I I love the whole you, know, you think you've just touched a couple of lives mm-hmm. um, and, and, and also driving. We've talked about this before on the podcast, sometimes in a negative way. But but here, of course, we're hearing about the positive benefits. It's like you didn't just touch one life. You know that life went on to touch another life and another life, and and and, and it's just the 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 you know ripple effect that Sam has created by saving um, people and and putting right what 
once went wrong uh, is is explicitly stated here for not 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 for the audience's benefit so much as for Sam's benefit because he needs to hear it. You know, and that's the thing. It's like he needs this pep talk because what what we get here is it's like this is just a layover, buddy. This is a sabbatical. You know, you you've been this, you've been preparing, and and you know it's like things are going to get harder. Um, and even the way that it's asked, you know, it's like, oh, you know, you mean the leaps are going to get harder? And Al's reaction is like, oh yeah, you know, it's 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 not it's not even it's not even just like, a, yeah, you know, the, you, you'll have some that are pretty difficult. It, it, it's like a yeah, you're you're about to get thrown for a loop. Which I think also kind of makes me go back on the whole like, no, he's not an angel and he's not dead. You know, this isn't this is this is Sam Beckett and this is and this is you know he's getting ready to do more, which also doesn't fit with Mirror's Edge because Mirror's Edge basically contends that this is it, that this is the end, that Sam makes that one more leap to Beth and then it's over, he's done. It you know that's that's kind of the contention with Mirror's Edge, and so I just don't know that I that I completely agree with that. I like the idea that Deborah Pratt had, which is that he's out there you know, being a hero. And so, and so for me, at least that's you know, my interpretation. And so for me, I just really, really love this kind of this, you know, this, it's not just a pep talk. There's more to it than that. And it allows Sam to make a discovery, which is that, you know, there aren't any rules that the rules were only what I made them to be that I, you know, self-imposed and that I can, you know, that I can change things for the better for not only for, you know, people I don't know, complete strangers, but for the people I love, you know, that, that argument about in, in leap home where he's like, you know, I can say people are complete strangers, but I can't even help the people I love. It's like, no, you, you, you can. And this is his chance to, to do that for Al. Sure. A point of order about the word sabbatical. I have always, <laughs> when they say that, because uh, you and Jessica clearly interpreted that line as meaning like his visit to the bar is his sabbatical. It's a bit of a break before he goes further on his mission. I have always interpreted that line as saying that, no, the last four years of leaping has been his sabbatical. Because uh, I've always understood the term sabbatical to be like you are, you are taking a break, but it, it is a break to, to study and to prepare for whatever your next thing is. So I've always taken that conversation to mean like, no, the last four years were just getting you warmed up. Your well, real, and I don't disagree your real with mission the, is more difficult, and this is what's coming up. And maybe part of that is you're you're going to have to do it as yourself, right? And I don't disagree that the, that again that the past you know four or four and a half five years had been training for him had been you know but I but I do think that the bar moment is the sabbatical because I think that it's giving him tools that he is going to need you know it's 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 it, it is a period of study and reflection and travel for him you know it it, it 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 is a break as well and I think that and I and that's why I think that I kind of think that the you know yeah that, that this episode is the sabbatical and that you know that that it is a break from what he's been doing for these past four or five years because again it's like you know what he it's not like it's not like they've all been easy ones you know sure <laughs> and and there have been some really really hard leaps and so i think that uh that this is just an opportunity for him uh to reflect a little bit on that and to have this this dialogue with you know this wizened sage with you know with the yoda of the quantum leap universe sure. and uh and, 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 and prepare for what's, you know, what's to come. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that's totally valid too what you're saying, because you could also argue that the idea that, you know, his, his initial work was, was creating project quantum leap. 
and that his leaping around, you know, getting the chance to be other people, experience other things and all that sort of stuff that, yeah, I mean, I get where you're coming from with that, that that's kind of the, 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 the work and the study and the travel to prepare him for what's next. And that this is just kind of that final piece. Um, you know, we, 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 we missed out on Al's actual, the, you know, our Al's interaction with Sam, you know, they do eventually find him because Al says, Oh, check his birthday. You know, no, not not sure. his birthday, but his actual birth date. Yeah. And then they, they zero in on him. Al shows up and they have this conversation. And Al is very concerned because Al thinks that Sam has kind of lost it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and then Al's like, I'm going to go back. I'm going to figure this out. And, and, you know, I'll see you later, buddy. And, man, it really stinks that we don't get more of a, of a it, final moment with the two of them. Yeah. I really feel like... Um, this is where the episode really suffers, and this is where I almost like having seen the 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 the, the alternate ending with Al and Beth in the future. Even if the series was canceled, I would have almost preferred it if they'd ended the series that way. Because at least it, yeah. it, it, it's not between Sam and Al, but at least we get a little bit more of Al. Um, right. Because all Al gets in the in the final version of the episode is. Uh, uh, confusion, getting to be the thoughts some like goofy, funny lines about you know, gonna, gonna upchuck in the imaging chamber, and then we get this scene where he is uh, just reacting to 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 Sam's crazy, and that's it. Right. And that's it. We don't we don't get anymore. Um, and to me, that's always been my biggest complaint about this episode is uh, they are the heart of the series, and they have three minutes together on screen. In yeah. this episode. And in a way, I'm like you, had we gotten one of the alternate endings instead of, you know, what we did get, had we gotten that, then perhaps I would have felt a little bit more comfortable with this being all we get with the interaction between the two of them, because the promise of, of more of an interaction between the two of them would still be there. Sure. But I think that the difficult thing for a lot of viewers and it's certainly something that I thought about, you know, throughout the 90s, <laughs> is that what if Al never becomes Al by Sam changing things with Beth? Sure. And, you know, we, we know enough now to know that that was never the intent. And so I think in our head canon, we can certainly say that Al still becomes Al, that he and Sam are best friends, that, you know, he's the observer. But um, at the time, it was kind of agonizing because... While Al and Sam's relationship might be kind of the heart and soul of the show, and we do end on a moment that is about their relationship and about what Sam is willing to do for Al, because we don't get we don't get something of some sort of poignance between the two of them specifically, I do feel a little cheated. Yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah, I'm trying to think what else I can add to that, but there's yeah, there's not much. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like even if they had concluded with uh, with uh, the the rediscovered ending, it, it it still would have left the door open. Like you could, that would have left the door wide open. It could have been Sam never returned home, or it could have been it could have left the door wide open for a reunion movie. I would just right. love to get more insight of why they just chose to leave the, not only just like leave it, just like pretend like 
uh, have Belisario denying it for for years. Um, <laughs> ah, anyway. Um, well, and the, you know the fascinating thing is the fascinating thing is about that is that when Bakula confirmed that it was real that it had actually been shot because um, I think he was one of the first ones to do it. Um, when he confirmed that, he went on to say that there was more than one. So now for me, the the next adventure for Quantum Leap aficionados and collectors is to find those other endings if they exist. Oh, sure. Still exist. Because we know they were shot. Because I think Bakula is a reliable source of information on this one. Mm. So my, you know, so, so for me, it does kind of become a, a kind of... Uh, let's let's see if we can find those others and you know even if it's a bit of script or 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 you know, images like Allison Pregler had purchased on eBay uh you know or if it's the actual footage that was uploaded to Reddit by Leaper1953 whoever you are you beautiful human um <laughs> you know why not why not see if 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 we can track that stuff down and i think eventually it probably you know it'll happen but uh especially if Peacock, you know, decides to start streaming Quantum Leap and, and does the reboot that, that has been, you know, often rumored. But I would be interested to see what other directions they were considering. And I also wonder if those alternate endings could still sit side by side with what we have so that it's not so much an alternate ending as much as it is extended endings. Oh, sure. So it would be a situation where we would see different elements of, of that. Um, because it's, again, you know, there were, I remember the the picture. You know, it's in Matt's book, and of course, it's it's a part of the uh, alternate ending and the photos that we saw. I remember seeing the picture of the photo of Al and Beth and their daughters sure. as early as like the mid '90s on the AOL sure. mm-hmm. message boards. Yep. Um, so, so it's like the evidence has been there for a while. It's interesting to me that we haven't been able to unearth anything, any of the other stuff. Um, and it makes me wonder, though, again, if it's not so much an alternate ending as much as it is something that would sit side by side with what we know to have existed. Um, look, I've talked about it before. It devastated me as a kid. It devastated me. I was, I was, I was extremely emotional about it. And uh, it's something that I struggled with a lot. And I think the reason why I struggled with it so much is because I was never someone who denied it. I was never someone who was necessarily angry at it. I was never someone who didn't believe it. I just wondered why. I wondered what happened next. Where did he go? What happened? And and I and and I and it and it changed for me over the years. At times it would make me very sad, and at times it would make me very happy because it would make me think like he's still out there, you know, fighting the good fight and doing it. It's not because he died; it's just because like it, it's because he's still out sure. there doing this. And and so I I I wonder if if any of the other alternate endings would have given any support to that mm-hmm. you know again i know that that's pratt's point of view you know her perspective on it is that sam is out there being the hero Doing still. The thing. yeah um yeah you know one of the things that i mentioned earlier that i still would love to see is if we got if we got a revival a continuation i would love to see you know whoever the leaper is if it's sammy joe or one of her children or you know somebody entirely different one of al's daughters uh, i would just love to see them walk into the bar in cokeburg and see sam behind the bar instead of al yeah. you know i would love that i think that that would be a really cool moment yeah now here um i've always taken the ending to be Sam doesn't continue leaping because that's what he truly wants to do. He continues leaping because he is too stubborn to accept 
that he's been doing it himself all along. <laughs> sure. Uh, and that ends up being kind of his uh, fatal flaw in the end. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's not doing it out of wanting to be a good person. He's doing it because he can't accept the fact that he chose this. Yeah. I, I you know, I, I'm not gonna. Yeah, I, I, I'm not gonna say I disagree with that at all because I do think that that makes him interesting, um, and and tragic in in some ways. Um, you know, a little bit of dark comedy. Sure, <laughs> honestly, uh, because you, you can't go said, home because yeah. you don't believe you can go home. <laughs> yeah, because you know, at the end, he says like, you know, I want to go home, but I got a wrong to put right for Al. Um. Or yeah. if you read his lips, the original line was, I got a wrong to put right first. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Now, I will say, you know, you're talking about how it devastated you as a kid. Um, I can really appreciate the final scene between uh, Sam and bartender Al um, now as an adult. I love the look on Bruce McGill's face and how he responds to Sam starting to cry and saying that he wants to go home. He almost starts to mm-hmm. cry. He's got tears forming in his eyes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Beautiful, heartbreaking scene. I have teared up more than once at that scene. But the first time I watched that scene, I was not in the moment watching that scene at all. Cause I'm looking at the clock and I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, it is, it is nine 52. He's got to leap home. We got to have the big reunion yeah. scene at home. We're fucking running out of time. What's going on? <laughs> right. You know, I was a sensitive lad. <laughs> and uh, I will fully admit that from the moment pretty much they sat down and started to talk, uh, you know, I, I was choked up and, and, and crying and cried through, you know, Georgia and and um and Beth and 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 all the way to the Sam never returned home which just really you know like i said really really killed me um it, it is interesting because as an adult you know w- watching the show again while it still gets me emotionally i kind of agree with you it's the scene between McGill and Bacula that's the one that gets me choked up and teary eyed the 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 final title card you know ending credit whatever you want to call it that doesn't that doesn't necessarily, it still gets me in the moment, but not nearly in the same way. No. And it's, ah, it's the, it's, it's the misspelling. It's the misspelling well, of the, the name misspelling doesn't that help. kills me every time. I think the thing too, that a lot of people, here's the thing. And, and, and our friend over at the MacGyver project hits on it perfectly. It's not a problem to have Sam still out there leaping. It's that they decided to say he never returned home. Yeah. If the if if, if it, the final card would have read, Doctor Samuel Beckett continues to put right what once went wrong. Right. That is that's beautiful, but because it's Doctor Samuel Beckett never returned home, it's like you know, it's just like Jesus. Yeah. So I think that that's what, what, (laughs) that's what makes it difficult for a lot of people. I mean, including myself, I'm not trying to say like, I'm totally okay with it, but I, but I, but I think I accept it more than, than even to this day, you know, some fans of the show do. Yeah. Um, and interesting to note about the, like the final title card and the misspelling, and this is in Matt's book. Um, 
a staffer did notice the mistake before the final episode. A staffer did notice the mistake before the final episode aired, but he was, he was not supposed to have seen it. So since he was not supposed to have seen it, he didn't report it because basically I think he was afraid of getting in trouble. Oh my God. Uh, And there was one station at least in, uh, where was it? Somewhere out East. I want to say it's in, uh, uh, Pittsburgh or somewhere that they, they caught the mistake and the local NBC network fixed the mistake for their own airing. They made a new title card and they put it up, uh, and they put it up in place. Oh, here it is. Um, yeah, not not Pittsburgh, Philadelphia. Uh, fittingly, in Pennsylvania. Um, yeah, yeah, right. So yeah, and so in Matt's book, he actually has a screenshot of what the 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 final title card looked like, spelled correctly in in Philadelphia. Um, so yeah, yeah, and then the final thing of it's it, it's it's not even Sam and Al; it's just Scott and Dean standing in front of Al's place. Yep. Posing in the moment. Yeah. Um, Let's go back real quick. Let's oh, yeah, go back yeah, real we, quick, we, actually, Yeah, we skipped over we some parts. We, yeah, we skipped over, yeah, yeah, Beth and, Beth and Sam, yeah. Yeah, let's talk, let's talk about Beth and Sam for a moment. Um, it's, it's so fascinating to me because I think that a lot of modern television viewers who didn't watch the show at the time, a lot of people would immediately jump to the thought of, like, you know, how is she not flipping the fuck out that this strange man is all of a sudden <laughs> right in her house? I mean, I even thought that as a kid. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've always wondered, uh, and, and I've always wondered, like being like the you know the the, the the geek is is this the moment after Al disappeared from MIA? That's what I always thought. I mean, it had to be because otherwise, yeah. it's just. I mean, yeah. <laughs> You know, I think that the, you know, here's something that we should have done that we could do as an experiment. I think the key here is not that anyone on the show would have necessarily been thinking about it this hard, although maybe they were, would be to just go back to MIA and then to the end of uh, Mirror Image and just find out where they are in the song. Oh, God, I don't. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, what, where are they in Georgia at the end of MIA and where are they in Georgia when, when Sam leaps in at the end of mirror image, I think that that would be the, you know, that would be the, the, te- the, 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 the telling, you yeah. know, I mean, here's the thing. Um, like, yeah, when Sam leaps in, it looks like she's still dancing. So one thing, um, yeah. Yeah. Also worth noting, yeah. uh, when they show that flashback earlier in the episode, they put new dialogue in, uh, yeah. Al, Al says, um, I think it was like specifically the line that they put in was him saying, I know you can't see me. And I felt yeah. like they needed to spoon feed that to anyone in case like they hadn't seen that particular episode. Right, right. I do love the I feel like, honestly, in early 90s television world, it was still kind of, you know, courageous in a way and a leap of faith on the producer's part to rely so heavily on something that happened so long ago, mm-hmm. you know, that's a season two episode. Like you're really like, it's, it's a reward for your longtime viewers 
but it is kind of one of those things where you're just sort of like, all right, let's hope that they, let's hope that we're not completely confusing them in these last couple of moments. And of course, the idea being that most of the people who are tuning in for this specific episode are going Probably. to have followed the series to some extent, you yeah. know, over the past five years. But I do think that, yeah, for, for, for its time, it was one of those things where you're just sort of like, all right, here we go. We're going to do this. Cause you didn't see that a lot. Yeah. And I wonder if that had anything to do with why they chose not to do the show the final scene. Like like the lost footage scene. Right, 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 right. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Because the thing that is interesting about it, you know, Matt notes this in his book, other people on, on the internet have noted it since that scene came out, is that there there would have been no harm in including that. No. You know what I mean? Like maybe it was just time. Maybe it, they just didn't have the time to do it. They didn't. Yeah. I, maybe they didn't think the footage looked good enough. Maybe they were. Who knows exactly their reasons? But yeah. that said, you know they could have still done it and it would have worked fine. I think. Um, but I guess from an artistic point of view too, artistically speaking, being able to end on that kind of on that moment with Beth, you know, yeah. being overwhelmed with emotion, knowing that Al's coming home zooming in on the picture, seeing the, you know, the picture leap out. Uh, I think the one thing though, that they did kind of mess up on, and I will, I'll take them to task for this is I do still think that the, that, that they could have ended on the family photo because the leap out of the, uh, the photo of young Al, in my opinion, makes very little artistic sense. There's no merit to it. Had they gone through with it full, you know, all the way and had it leap out into the picture, they would. They could have just stopped there at this picture of, of of Al, the happy family man. That would have been really, really nice. Yeah, and I remember sweet. thinking that again in the mid to late '90s when I first saw that picture. Yeah, and I wondered if it was if they ended on that note. If they were worried, if they thought that well, that meant that Sam and Al never met. Mm. And maybe that's why. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah. Uh, Worth noting, like one fan wink before we maybe start winding it up. I did start to read. It was a long piece of fan fiction. Like it was almost like a novel length fan fiction that was out there <laughs> in the late 90s that uh, that threw out the idea that the entire last episode was a trap laid by the evil deepers. And it was entirely to get Sam to leap back to save Al's marriage so that Sam and Al never met. Um, I mean that, that, that honestly, that's really cool. And some nice, you know, sci-fi concepts there, you know, dealing with time travel specifically, like it would create some really interesting moments. And, and, and I think if you decided to go with that, like if we, if we ever got like a quantum leap mini series and they decided to, you know, take that idea and run with it, I would not, I would not hate that. You know, I mean, I love what we have. Don't get me wrong. But there is something about like setting up the stakes in such a way that says in order for you to save the day, you now have to ruin your best friend's marriage. Basically, you know, you have to actually be the reason why it failed, even though you put it what you thought you put right in the grand scheme of things you put wrong, which is really cool because it kind of reminds me in a lot of ways of 112263. You know, and thinking about some of the things sure. that Jake does in the past and then comes to the future and finds out, I was just trying to help a couple of people and now I've turned it into a, you know, a nuclear holocaust nightmare world. So <laughs> I think that I think that there's something about um, about that idea that is intriguing to me. Um, 
I, I like I said, I would probably follow along with it, but I I, I don't know. I, it's not necessarily what I want. Sure. Yeah, and I think they ever reboot the series. I I don't think they would ever count on anyone or enough fans uh, remembering the series that well to to go along with that. I, I do think if we sure. if, if we ever get a, a new version of Quantum Leap, I think it's going to be a complete reboot. And yeah, I don't know, man. The power of nostalgia is real. I mean, look at that. Look at that. Saved by the Bell revival. <laughs> I mean, that thing has been like getting great reviews. Even I haven't watched it or anything, but but I mean, it's it, it's one of those things to me that I that I feel like with the power of streaming services, especially with the fact that home entertainment is going to, you know, in, in the wake of the pandemic is going to continue to rise, that we're going to see blockbuster motion pictures that would have originally premiered in theaters and, you know, they would have hoped would make hundreds of millions of dollars are now going to be streaming for free on HBO Max, like Wonder Woman 84, for instance, coming Christmas Day. I'm not a shill, but I can't wait. Yeah. Uh, the, the, you know, I think that there's that there is a... A, a, an attractiveness to studios uh, and, and a faith in the fact that how how do I sell this new show? Oh, I know. I put up five seasons of what came before, force everybody to watch that, and then use it as my launching pad for the new show, which I will then have episodes that refer back to the previous show. You know, it's now I've got my hooks in you. Now I'm going to get your your streaming hours and you know your ad dollars, and I, I think that. You know, just business wise, that's kind of the model, and so I, I would, I would, I would actually argue the opposite. I would think that if we got it, it would it would be a revival and not a straight reboot. I don't know. I'm, I will, I will watch it either way. Even if I hate it, I will hate right. watch it. Absolutely, and I would say that knowing that Bakula was willing to appear on whatever the Sci Fi Channel wanted to do while he was still doing Star Trek Enterprise. I don't think that NCIS New Orleans would affect his decision to appear in that. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. I think that he would still give some of his time to the show if, if need be. Oh, for sure. I absolutely, I have no doubt that he would be, yeah, game to at least uh, come and do a cameo and pass the torch. Right. Uh, as, it lo- as it were, to, uh, to somebody else. Yeah. Get on it, Peacock. Get on a peacock. Peacock right? is playing some dirty games. Oh, you know, they, they are they are taking the office off of Netflix, and it's going to be they exclusively on peacock. Peacock, peacock, uh, peacock. January first, <laughs> uh, and when it goes to peacock, you can only watch the first two seasons for free. After that, that's right. After that, you, you got to pay. You got to pony up. I think so many you, people are interested at that. Anyway. The interesting thing about that, uh, just to, to add something quick to that, is that uh, they are going to be adding, uh, generating new content around it. So to make it even more enticing to, 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 to kind of say like, oh, you've got your DVDs? Well, guess what? You know, they're, they're actually going to be offering um, special like producers cuts of the episode that are not included on the DVDs. They're going to be offering... Uh, like special retrospectives they're going to be offering like you know special like behind the scenes things like there's it, there's basically going to be a whole like office section of peacock that's going to have content that's not just you know the the tv series but but additional bits and bobbles and uh deleted scenes extended stuff you know all that sort of thing some of which you can still get on the dvds but some of it apparently is going to be new content generated just for this endeavor that's so it's a show that was just yeah. moderately successful when it was on well, yeah. um, uh, anyway, anyway, 
This is not an office podcast. Or it could be. No. <laughs> it could be. No. No. Um, <laughs> no, 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 no. The office yeah. ladies, they, they, they're doing a fine they, job. They, yeah, they, yeah, they, um, they got the market nailed on that. So, okay. So let's, let's, let's go home here. Let's, let's, you know, let's do what Sam could not and leap home. But, uh, I, you know, I think with the benefit of hindsight and all of the information that we have at our disposal now, I continue to be a fan of this episode, probably even more of a fan of this episode than before, because I think when I initially watched it, there was a lot I didn't get as a kid. And emotionally, clearly it hit me and it was, and it was satisfying slash devastating on that front. But watching it now, uh, the episode holds really a lot of magic for me. And it feels like just a quality piece of Quantum Leap, while also being very, very different from a lot of the other episodes that I would consider quality Quantum Leap, like, you know, Color of Truth, Black and White on Fire, you know, any of the Freedom, Thou Shalt Not, you know, those types of episodes that I really, really loved. Um, This episode, I think it succeeds by being different. And also by still having a lot of the heart and, um, you know, high quality that, that those, you know, pinnacle episodes that have come before it had. I would agree with that. I, I was thinking like talking with, uh, someone recently, like if you'd never seen the show, how many episodes would I recommend? Like, what's the bare minimum? <laughs> like, what's the uh, the bare minimum that you can say? If you watched this, you would get the crux of the show. And I'll go yeah. maybe more into this when, like, when we do like our whole series retrospective in another episode. I think if you watched the yeah. entirety of season two, and then the leap home part one and two, and then just jump to the final episode, you would get the essence of Quantum Leap. I would completely agree with that. If I were to, you know, kind of like you're saying, if I were to make my essential binge watch, yeah. you know, list of episodes, I would definitely include some episodes from season three, four and five. But based off what you just said, yeah, totally agree. Because I go watch all of season two. Say what? Leap home part one and two. Oh, yeah. Go go watch season two. Go watch leap home part one and two and then watch mirror image. You got it. You got it. <laughs> you, got, you got the crux of the series right there. Um, I've watched the show, this episode, various times over the years. It, uh, it lands on me differently. For some reason, like when I watched it a few years ago, I found it a lot more touching. And this time, maybe because I was just studying it, I didn't, it didn't have as much emotion, emotional impact on me. Um, oh, sure. But also, that muscle baby part, like we are coming to the end of this phase of our podcast. Um, and and I am yeah. uh, I am always someone when I am coming to the to the end of something that I find very important and have an emotional attachment to, I tend to blow through the ending uh, and not let it hit me how emotional I am until after it's over with. Uh, so maybe that's right. part of it. Um, I, yeah, I, you know, it's like it's like when you're in a long run of a show, yeah, and, and you, you you get to that 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 final curtain. You know, and there 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 are some quality goodbyes that might take place with your castmates, but it's not really until later when it really you know lands on you. Yeah. Um, and I feel similarly. 
I, in a way, I feel like I can't be too emotional about all of this and what we've been doing for the past three years because a, it's not completely over yet. Like we still have more things that we plan to do. Um, but I kind of almost feel like that's not what this episode is about. You know, Mm -hmm. like that's not what this episode of our podcast is about. And so it, it, it is, it is odd. It's overwhelming in some ways to, to realize that we've completed this journey of all the televised episodes of quantum leap. And yet, as I, as I, you know, as we wrap this episode up, there's this moment where it's just kind of like, I don't know if I'm giving it the weight that it deserves, but I also don't know if I'm capable of doing that. Sure. Um, yeah. Cause I mean, it's, um, yeah, for, for most of the casual fans, like this was it, like, you know, to this day, like people don't know that there were novels or comic books. Right. Uh, right. or anything. I went back you, when you, uh, you did a plug for, uh, for our podcast on a Reddit thread, uh, a year or so ago, like somebody coming back, like I didn't know there was a quantum leap podcast, let alone several quantum leap podcasts, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I have a concluding well, thought to that. Um, hopefully Peacock will, um, They'll launch a new series, and then our our listenership will just shoot through the roof as people go back to pick up. <laughs> and we'll be doing this for years. And we'll be doing this, yes. <laughs> Bring it on. Speaking of doing this for years. Yeah. <laughs> we've, uh, we've, we've been going for a very long time, and we knew that this would be a long episode for many reasons. Yeah. Um, y- y- you know, we, we, we want you to be able to enjoy this. In however many sittings it takes you. Yeah. <laughs> but we're recording uh, these thoughts on December 19th, 2020. And it has been a hell of a year. That it has. And as we find ourselves at the, you know, the crux of the holiday season, I cannot thank you, Dennis, enough for being the... Sam to my Al, the Al to my Sam, and back again uh, for planting this seed and allowing it to to germinate and 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 bloom and grow into what it has become. Um, and I cannot thank the listeners enough for interacting with us, for letting us know that you're out there, and for being supportive of this endeavor. Because in a year like this one, you know, the light that you give is only going to equal the light that you get. And I feel like the creative endeavors that I've been able to take part in this year, especially after getting canned from my job and, you know, going through a lot of the personal moments in my life, losing my grandmother Uh, multiple family members being sick with COVID, um, you know, recognizing and accepting the fact that I'm a recovering alcoholic, um, engaging in therapy at the level which I have. uh, This has been a constant source of frustration, no, uh, of of joy, uh, of joy and, um, you know, creative fulfillment at a time in my life when at the beginning of this year, I didn't know if that was something that I was going to, to have in my life to the same degree that I had once had it. 
And, you know, this year, uh, the son of a bitch that it's been has definitely taught me a lot and continues to do that. So I just want to say a big thank you and, a, and happy holidays to everyone. Um, I cannot wait to talk to you in the new year. Um, but I think we're going to take the next couple of weeks off. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> we are want to do. Yeah. And, uh, and, but in 2021, we'll definitely be talking to you again. We've got a lot more to say, uh, as we always do. So, so thank you all. Uh, and Dennis, thank you. Thank you. Back at you. Everything that uh, you said. Thank you for going along on this uh, ride. We've mentioned in previous episodes, this is one uh, Matt Dale's book, Beyond the Mirror Image. Uh, we gave you all two wedding presents when you got married in, in the summer of 2017. One was like a true, genuine wedding present to you both. Uh, and then uh, Matt Dale's book was was a present more to you. And I can't remember how much I said at your reception, but it was like, hey, just it's just for you. Take a look at it. Uh, I think maybe don't open it until after the honeymoon, because I was afraid that yeah. you, you would just get absorbed <laughs> reading the book. Um, uh, yeah. Oh, it would have found its way into my suitcase before we flew to Jamaica. Let me just say. Did, you, did you, you, did, you didn't look at it beforehand, right? No, no. I didn't. Okay. I waited. I took your advice, and I waited until we got back. Good, yeah. I waited. We, I, I, we, we ended up waiting to open everything until we got back, because we left, like, the next day. Oh, sure. So, yeah, because yeah. yeah, when, um, um, when I first bought the book, like, yeah, I would just, like, disappear into our bedroom for just, like, half hour, hour at a time, and Betsy would be like, where the, where the fuck did you go? And I'm like, oh, I was, I, I was like, reading the book. Um uh, yeah, and then I think I, I the I first posted on your Facebook wall. I said three words: "Quantum Leap yeah. Podcast." Yeah, and one of our friends, Scotty, she was like, "Yes, please do this." Um, yeah. So yeah, so we start. Uh, and I think I was just like, "I'm in." <laughs> yeah. Uh, so like, September seventeenth was that our first episode drop day? I don't know. Yeah. Something yeah, I like think that. our first recording took place in August of 2017, and and you know, we were still we kind of learning some, the ropes yeah. of all this because we'd never done anything like it before. But yeah, I think the first episode actually dropped in um, September of 2017. Yeah, um, and so yeah, and it's like we've never had uh, huge listenership. We've actually shot up a lot in the last like what six months since um, whatever yeah. TV station started was rerunning it Comet or Comet something, or, yeah, yeah. meteor, yeah. asteroid, something. Anyway, um, <laughs> Pluto. <laughs> but you know, it's like you know, uh, to be cheesy, uh, you know, the, like the the lives you touch touch others, and those lives others. Um, the small listenership that we we've had, and, and on our Facebook page, and discussions that have happened there, and even some listeners who have like sent us private messages and opened up about their lives and uh, how Quantum Leap had touched their lives when they were younger. Uh, yes, this has been uh, a very fulfilling, uh, fun adventure these last three years uh, with you and our listeners. Uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to seeing what this next phase is going to be. Yeah, me too. Me too. I, you know, it's funny because we've definitely got like a thumbnail sketch that we've had in our back pocket, I think, for a while uh, of what we're going to do in the immediate future. You know, talk about like our, you know, our, our favorite episodes, our essential episodes, you know, maybe even revisit a couple of episodes in a short form, you know, uh, uh, podcast with guests, that sort of thing. You know, do something that's like just 30 minutes, 45 minutes. Uh, and obviously the novels and the comic books we want to talk about. But other than that, you, you know, it's, it's pretty wide open. Um, 
So it, it, it'll be interesting to see what's next. And, and as always, you know, we look forward to hearing from you um, and, and continuing the dialogue. Um, it's been a great journey that, that I am grateful for and will continue to be grateful for. And much like I said, after the final curtain of a long run of a show, it is one that I will probably not truly appreciate and understand for a little while yet. Yeah. So... When that happens, I'll let everybody know. Sure. <laughs> but for right now. Yeah. Um, but for right now, can we I say firsties, I, firsties, we were the first, <laughs> we were the first quantum leap podcast to make it all the way to the end. To do it all. <laughs> <laughs> we did it. We did it. Yeah. Um, well, I'll go pop some sparkling water and celebrate a little bit. Um, but I suppose on that note, we should just we should leap, leap out, out of here, here, don't you think? Yes. Merry Christmas, everyone. This should be dropping uh, early Christmas week, provided no gremlins or anything. Uh, right. Thank you for listening. Enjoy your holidays. We're going to take a couple weeks off. Uh, we don't know exactly what our first episode back is going to be. I'm sure it'll be some sort of retrospective. Uh, but yeah, we look forward to being back in your ears in 2021. Absolutely. Thank you all so much. Take care of yourselves. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. And uh, yeah, 2021, here we come. Yeah, see you next time. Bye. I want to stay, I want to go